Free Talk Live. It's your show. If you dial in, you can take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Dot com. We've got a lot to talk about. Your calls are the primary elements, so we'll go to them. Cameron in Pennsylvania, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Cameron. Hey, guys. How you doing tonight? Hey, just great. What's on your mind? Uh, two things. First of all, I know you guys aren't big sports guys, but you are big radio guys. Uh, about a week and a half ago, I'm, I'm here in Philadelphia, but a week and a half ago, uh, Harry Callis, who was a big radio guy for the Philadelphia Phillies, passed away. So yep. just to mention him. Uh, but to get to my point, uh, I don't know if you guys heard this story about uh, Representative Jane Harmon, uh, a Democrat from California. Apparently, when they did this whole wiretapping thing a few years ago, she was a big proponent of it, and she supported it even though she was a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Well, it came out this week, she was being wiretapped, and guess what? She's not too happy about that. She doesn't oh. like that wiretapping stuff now that it's happening to her, <laughs> she, does she? No, not at all. And the, and the best part is what they caught her saying on the wiretap. She was overheard agreeing to seek lenient treatment for two former employees of the American Israel Public Affairs Committee who were under investigation and later indicted for disclosing classified information. So here she is wiretapped, caught trying to help these convicted people who probably weren't even doing anything wrong in the first place, but she's still trying to use her power to get around it. And now she's saying that the government abused their power and listening to her phone calls, even though she, you know, was one of the government people that was behind this. This is ridiculous. That's karma. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad, but I don't. Uh, I'm not. I, color me unsurprised. So, any other thoughts for us? Uh, no, no, that's all. That's all. I decided to throw that out there. All right, Cameron. Thanks for the heads up. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You know that's true for anybody who supports this wiretapping stuff. They don't want their phone tapped. It won't be my phone. It's just the terrorists. Now I wonder why it was, you know, why why Miss Harmon was uh, was was it was it a foreign call? Uh, you know, we're told that none of this wiretapping stuff wouldn't gonna, wasn't going to go on unless it was a foreign call, with, you know, foreign people and stuff like that. Those Doesn't sound too people. foreign. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We continue here. Uh, it, if you've got something that you need to say that's secret, you need to take the steps that are necessary to ensure secrecy. If that means encrypting then that's what you need to do. It's getting harder and harder in today's world, but that's, uh, you know, we have to stay ahead of the technology, I guess. Well, you can't just expect that uh, that nobody's nece- that no one is listening. I mean, even if you're on a cell phone or whatever, most people can't tune into cell phones with the police scanner, but the police can tune into cell phones if they want to. All they have to do is call your cell phone company and say, record all this guy's calls, and they can listen to them at their leisure. So... It's up to you to ensure privacy. We continue here and talk to Grant in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Grant. Hey. Uh, well, the subject you're talking about is kind of related to what I want to talk about. Uh, I'm actually calling about uh, conspiracy theories. Okay. So, uh, what about them? <laughs> I don't know. I thought I'd get it out in the open first. That uh, you know, I, 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 I'm one of those people that think that uh, JFK was murdered by, I don't know, the government. I think uh, that 9-11 was to some extent masterminded by the federal government. So what if it's all true? What? What if it's all true? Well, I mean, don't you think that that matters to some extent whether the government is, you know, committing murder? Um, I know they are. I know they are. Without, Without whether or not those conspiracy theories are true or not, they're doing it in Iraq. They're doing it all over the world. They're uh, doing it in an open, overt, imperialist manner. 
And uh, whether or not they did it in a sneaky manner on a couple of occasions is is uh, that's kind of irrelevant at that point. And once you realize that they're criminal and and almost everything they do, then it seems kind of trivial. Well, yeah, I I agree with you that uh, that that what we do around the world is is actually criminal. But uh, I don't think like the average person looks at what we do around the world and says, "Hey, that's really terrible." I mean, they're kind of. Oh. Well, I, I don't think the average person it. believes conspiracy theories or cares about them either. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, if you could, could prove to somebody that, you know, the federal government murdered their own citizens. But, but I can that's... prove to them that they're committing murder around the world because I've got, you know, like there's documented proof. It's every, it's not even, uh, it, it wouldn't be disputable. So what you're, what you're trying to do with the conspiracy theories is you're trying to, uh, you know, you know, talk to them about some of these facts that uh, conspiracy theorists have called up, and then they'll be rebutted with facts by popular mechanics or whomever, and then you'll be like, no, 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 not that, and, and, and you know, it just goes, it's this uh, cycle where you, people are required to sort of pick a side, and that doesn't really make much sense. Well, what about the millions of Americans that are locked up every year and have their lives stolen from them, perhaps not, perhaps not having uh, their lives taken from them completely, as in murder, but having, uh, you know, years of their lives ripped away from them by having to sit and rot in a jail cell for possessing marijuana or doing some other consensual act uh, that has been deemed a crime. You don't think that's persuasive to people either? Well, I, I, I don't think most people, I mean, when they look at marijuana, they say, well, uh, it, 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 it's I don't think they view it as, as, as a terrible thing that the government so puts people in jail for. So you believe the only thing that can persuade people to come to the understanding that government hurts people and is evil is to bring up conspiracy theories to them? Well, I, I mean, I don't think it's the only way, but I think it, it is. I, mean, I think it has merit. I kind of think Mark nailed it. I mean, if you look at the dialogue so far with conspiracy theorists, if you take the average conspiracy conspiracy theorist talking to someone who's not part of the choir and they're having a discussion it seems to fall on deaf ears and so at some point i don't know why you you would at some point expect that to change it it doesn't seem to make any difference still there yeah See you. Really, oh any other thoughts uh hello go ahead uh well i mean i i agree i i i don't know what, else what do you agree with <laughs> I, I I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot that can be gained from talking about it if if, if you're just going to be dismissed as a nut. But I mean, if, if you look at the conspiracy theories, I mean, there there is, I mean, some of it's just uh, a lot of nonsense. But I I, I mean, the, it, it, it's it, to some extent, it's what's wrong with the world is like there's an elite group of bankers that try to you know control everybody. And, I mean, if you I I don't know. You, you can't, um, like, I'm not going to dispute with you that the bankers have certainly made a mess of things and uh, that they're certainly in it for themselves. I, I agree with that. I don't know that necessarily we know their names and that we know what groups they meet or that those groups don't have competition or anything like or that. Or if they were behind 9-11 or but whatever, right? Would you agree that some people come to um, the, the understanding that we need liberty, um, that that's the only solution to the problems that we have through, you know, talking about the things that we talk about here on Free Talk Live, and some people come through conspiracy theories right yeah i would say yeah so what my my what uh, i guess my thought here is and i'm not not trying to be mean or anything i'm just wondering like what would be the benefit to calling free talk live and talking about conspiracy theories if we're trying to convert people from one angle whereas the conspiracy theory shows are trying to convert people from another angle i mean call a conspiracy theory show talk to them about it 
I, I don't have any of those around here. <laughs> yeah. You're kind of torn. You're either talking to the choir, or you're talking, or you're falling, or your statements are falling on deaf ears. It seems like. I mean, I think the bankers controlling the world—that's pretty overt. I don't think there's much of a conspiracy to that. I mean, it's just. I mean, I don't think like <laughs> if you look at the wealthy people, either. and if you look at the nature of government, the wealthy are always going to control it. If that power is centralized like that, it's going to be under the control of those powerful people. You know, they're going to lo- either you know through lobbying, through. Uh, owning a lot of stuff that has influence in one way or another. So I think that's just the nature of the beast. Good luck out there, Cameron. Thanks for the call. Or Grant, rather. Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. I understand. When you come across something that excites you, whether it be a conspiracy theory or whether it be the the ideas of liberty, you want to bring those uh, concepts to as many minds as you possibly can. You want to spread the idea that was so exciting to you. It's just that I personally find the conspiracy theory viewpoint to be uh, defeatist. I find it to be counterproductive, and it's never never been anything that has interested me as far as bringing people on board with the message of freedom. Well, there there are different levels of these conspiracy theories. I guess... Yes, even he acknowledged that. He did, and um, I guess we're conspiracy theorists if you're talking about we believe that the international bankers are controlling the economies of the world and attempting to uh, extract as much wealth for themselves through those economies... Um, well, I mean, I guess we are too, but they're, you're right. They are defeat. You know, they they at some point or another get defeatist to point where the Bilderbergers are going to control everything. They're going to wipe us all out. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Personally, I prefer to stay positive and have a positive vision for what's going to happen in the future, as opposed to this bleak uh, future that many of the conspiracy theorists support. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live. It's your show. You dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Features including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They're yours totally free. Right there at freetalklive.com. Do you want liberty in your lifetime? Join the Free State Project at the upcoming Porcupine Freedom Festival, June 25th through the 28th, for a weekend of freedom and fun in New Hampshire. Early bird registration, only $15. Go to porkfest.com. That's porkfest with a C, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. As we go to your phone calls, talk to Gene, the Christian anarchist in Tennessee, on the amp line. Hello, Gene. Hello, guys. I wanted to... uh ask you why you still believe in the Easter Bunny. <laughs> Who believes in the Easter Bunny? Apparently you guys do. You keep talking about how the Easter Bunny's doing this and the Easter Bunny's doing that. What do you mean by that? And, uh, well, uh, amongst us, we of course realize, uh, maybe not so much Mark, but... Uh, <laughs> We're working on him. <laughs> yeah. Amongst us, we realize that there's no such thing as government. It's a total fiction. And I like to liken it to the Easter Bunny. When you're talking to a four-year-old, you tell them, you know, oh, the Easter Bunny's going to bring you candy, and he's he's putting all those eggs in the yard for you. And that's fine when you're talking to a four-year-old. But when you're talking with an adult, you say, you know, hey, we went out and took those Easter eggs, and we stuck them out there in the yard, and we put them under the berries, and the kids sure. came out, and, and they had fun looking for them. So we need to try, I think, to bring our level up to an adult uh, conversation, and we need to, you know, 
I, I realize that a lot of the callers are going to be the four-year-olds, and they're going to understand, they're going to be believing in the Easter Bunny, and you have to gently bring them into the reality. But amongst ourselves, we should always refer to the government as a fiction and refer to uh, reality being that men are doing these things, and each of these men has a name. And I would like to point you to a website that you that I've mentioned in the past, and you said that you've even been there before uh, with Jack and Sneeb, and it's NoGovForMe.net, and the and that's the number four. NoGovForMe.net, and what is what is right. on that website? Well, there's a link there specifically that I'm going to be referring to, and it's called "Can We Ever Get Out of Anarchy?" Because in reality, when you come into the real world and you stop living in the Easter Bunny world, you realize that. We always live in anarchy. There is no such thing as government. It's a total fiction. And the only question is what kind of anarchy is uh, that we live in. And this uh, particular document is a, uh, uh, by Edward, Edward Cousin, Department of Government, New Mexico State University. And uh, anyway, he says, do we ever get out of government? One of the uh, things in there he concludes, and it's very short, it's just one sentence, but he says, in short, society is always in anarchy. A government only abolishes anarchy among what are called subjects or citizens, but among those who rule, anarchy prevails. So we really can't say that the government builds the road. We can say that, uh, you know, Joe Blow of the road department uh, has come, gone out there with his crew of Jack, Bob, and Jill, and they put together the road. But you can't really say that the government did it and it, as far as anarchy goes, the people at the top are always arguing and fighting and not following any rules. So we still have anarchy, but those people all have names. And this is one thing I'm trying to get people to realize is that they've got to point to people and name the names, you know, that George Bush did this or Obama did this or whoever did that. You know, we need to start naming these people so that we can someday hold them accountable. I don't know how that's going to occur, but, you know, it normally, in the normal course of event, what usually happens is mobs of people drag people out and string them up from trees. That's how they're normally brought to account. I, I don't know but if I support that particular Yeah, I don't, I don't support that. I think that uh, forgiveness and, uh, you know, once, once we become enlightened enough to realize we can live under, a, uh, you know, a state of, of liberty, whether it's, uh, you know, a small government or whether it's uh, no government at all. You can't have liberty in small government. Yeah, whatever. Um, the, I, I think that, you know, once we come to that enlightened level, hopefully we're at an enlightened level where we realize stringing people up that uh, we allowed to do this in the first place, you know, that that's not, uh, that's well, not just. That's great, and I would love to see that happen, but, you know, we're talking about real life here. Yep. People don't normally wake up like that, so they're not normally enlightened. I think you I'm just it. saying it's the normal form of events for yep. people to get angry and take, uh, take their anger out on the people who cause them misery. So in that normal form of events, this is typically how it plays out. And you saw that with Saddam Hussein when uh, the guys who finally got into power over there, and they had the power to pull that rope and around his neck and, and jerk that, that lever that dropped the platform, they did it. You know, it had nothing to do with uh, any kind of uh, government or official uh, authority. They just, uh, they were angry at him, and they hung the guy. So, I mean, that's just the way things work. 
I think it can be a little confusing to people when you describe it that way. I think you have a very good point, though. My, what I, the way I would maybe just describe it a little bit different is there are these institutions and these organizations and their claim to authority, which is which we uh, in the know often refer to as the state. It's the state that does that is a fiction. That's uh, that's totally a contrivance, and that's where they they claim the authority in order to have these special rights other people don't have to engage in things that are otherwise considered criminal. That, that any logical person would look at and say that's criminal behavior, but they make an exception for themselves to be able to do that. So I think once oh. you free your mind and see see it for what it really is, then it's in, then then government action, the uh, these institutions that we refer to as government, their actions are indistinguishable from crime. And so you're just looking at the world and going. And when people I, 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 people love to ask that question, is anarchy possible? And I always talk about anarchy as a state of mind, not as a state of society, because it's an individualist philosophy. And when people say is anarchy possible. Then what they're essentially saying is, is uh, to an anarchist, someone who has achieved that state of mind, you look at government and go, it's indistinguishable from cri- indistinguishable from crime. So you look and say, if, if is anarchy possible? That's like saying, is it possible to have a world where there is no crime? And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, that sounds like a utopia, and I don't know if that sort of utopia is possible. But I do know that if I want, uh, there, if I am opposed to crime and I want as little crime as possible, I have to be opposed to all crime. I can't say well, we need a little bit of crime. If you look at this from the other point of view and go to that website and, and look at that link, the, it's, it makes it pretty clear that not only is anarchy possible, we already live in anarchy. So, Be- because uh, the government people, people are criminals and they're, they're performing criminal acts on innocent people, therefore those criminal acts are essentially evidence that we're still in a system of anarchy, right? But, but these uh, believers in government are always criminals because they never have legitimate authority, so therefore... You cannot live in anything but anarchy. We live in anarchy now. We've lived in anarchy in the past, and we're going to live in anarchy in the future. The only question is, are you aware of the fact that you're living in anarchy and those people who claim to have some authority don't have it? See, we do now live in anarchy. It's just that most people believe in the Easter Bunny, and they think that there is actually some kind of authority there. It's all in education. That's what I try to do is educate people to the reality that there's no authority, and therefore all we already live in anarchy. Great it's points tonight, Gene. Thanks for making them. 800-259-9231. Well, I guess the uh, difference between you and Gene is that you believe it's a personal thing, whereas he's looking at it from the state of society. Dale? Yeah, I, I think that describes it pretty well. I mean, it's to me, it's a state of mind, just seeing the world for what it really is, and, and anarchy is not a state of society. It's contradictory. Toll free, 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever's on your mind or comment on this or anything you want. It's Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever's on your mind, 800-259-9231. The number brought to you by our friends at SACL CAI, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Dale. 
And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are totally free, so enjoy those, including the live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show, a dial-up version, a webcam, all completely free at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen freetalklive.com as we continue here with your phone calls first I want to tell you about SACL do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections well SACL CAI does collections and they do early outbuilding as well as purchasing charged off receivables SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect they know that not only do you want to keep your money uh, collect your money rather but you'd like to keep your clients too SACL CAI check out their banner at freetalklive.com that's SACL CAI all right we go back to your phone calls Matt is in Illinois on the amp line hello Matt hey guys hey Matt what's on your mind tonight a uh, couple of short stories for you um, first off I was in the doctor's office a couple days back and there was a woman sitting there and I struck up a conversation she told me about a nephew of hers out in California who was murdered. Oh, God. Oh, dear. And apparently what happened was he got into an accident uh, with somebody, and they were both drunk. And they both had a couple of drunk driving convictions. Mm-hmm. And so they decided not to get the police involved. And uh, the one gentleman drove her nephew home, apparently, and then proceeded to murder him. Oh, my gosh. And uh, she was telling me they haven't found this guy yet. Police kind of put all this together from evidence that they found at the scene of the crime, at the scene of the accident, etc. But I looked at her and I, I, I told her, you realize that if people weren't so afraid of the drunk driving laws that they would have called the police to the scene or in a perfect world, you know, the protection agencies. Mm -hmm. And it would have been dealt with right there, and this couldn't have happened. And that's partially the government's fault for all their their, uh, drunk driving laws. And she said, yeah, in California, uh, the the rate, I think, is .08, same in Illinois, same everywhere. Mm -hmm. But she also said the first... Uh, the punishment for first-time drunk drivers, a $10,000 fine. Wow. Gosh. Yeah. I I just couldn't believe that. Right. It doesn't matter if you get, uh, if you actually do any damage, if anybody's been harmed. It's just that if you're, you know, if you've got over .08 in your bloodstream, then $10,000. It's crazy. Right. That is, uh, that's nuts. And I guess this kid, she told me he'd been uh, caught drunk driving twice. Oh, no. Also, she told me his job was a well-paying job. He was a beer designer. He would de- design uh, tastes for beers, different tastes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So apparently, he probably got drunk quite often at work, tasting beers. You know, if if, if point zero eight it was considered is, drunk. is legally drunk, he probably had point zero eight in his system a lot. And wasn't really drunk. He probably, you know, because you get used to it. Sure. So he did something a little unusual to try to get out of the impending drunk driving charge that would have come had he called the police. And as a result, somebody took his life. Bizarre. What a sad yes, story. Mm. And then um, my my daughter uh, has a guinea pig here in Illinois, and she actually has two. And one of them's dying of cancer. Mm. 
I was over at her place, and I was listening to this little thing, and it's crying. Hmm. It's in pain. You can tell it's in pain. I asked her. Is this a medical marijuana story? (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) I suppose. I asked her, I said, why don't you take it and put it to sleep? And she says, it's too expensive. I said, it's not that expensive. I think, you know, it's like $50 for the shot or whatever. She goes, oh, no, it's not the shot. She says, it's the funeral costs. What? Funeral costs? That's what I said. And she goes, well, in Illinois, and I didn't know this. She says, in Illinois, when you put an animal to sleep, you can't take it home and bury it. What? It has uh, to be buried by, uh, you know, by like a funeral for pets. Illinois is sounding more and more ridiculous. it's illegal to put a dead animal in your yard. Wow. So if you take your gerbil into the, uh, into the vet and have, <laughs> it, have it put asleep, the vet then has to take care of the, that body and take it to some sort of state-approved funeral facility? Or something like that. I, I, and how I much does that cost? That's I, not I, cheap. I don't know. She, she was talking about a couple hundred bucks. Wow. And um, uh, you know, I didn't really I mean, look uh, into it. I just believed her. But we, you know, uh, we have buried several animals in our backyard. Maybe I shouldn't say that. But, yeah. Uh, but we haven't taken it to the vet. Right. To put it to have them put to sleep. They just died, and we buried them there. Mm-hmm. So, so your choice is to spend big bucks to have the, your animal put through the system, uh, the death system, for lack of a better term, or to just allow them to suffer until they die if you happen to not be able to afford something like that. Because a lot of people that have, uh, a lot of people that have pets aren't necessarily of the greatest means. Sure. I mean, people just love their animals sure. and they'll do whatever it takes to, to have an animal, but it doesn't mean that they're ready to, to drop $250 on a, on a funeral or a, a grave plot in a, some sort of animal graveyard. And it just goes to show how much the, uh, the state cares about your animals and, and its suffering. Apparently they're really uh, humanitarian Mm. out there in Springfield, Illinois, where they make these laws. I thank you for the call tonight, Matt. I appreciate the stories, and, well, they're not really exactly uppers, but there you have them. Thank you for the call, 800-259-9231. You know, there's a, right now there's talk at uh, Keene State, they're trying to get a law passed, uh, or not a law, uh, maybe a local ordinance or something, that that charges won't be pursued, drug charges won't be pursued if someone calls the hospital. Because someone's overdosing or something like that. It's really? another case where people are uh, where people are being harmed. I mean, dying because of the drug war, uh, because they're afraid of going to jail and they'll they want to get help. They'll end but... up dying over and over from an overdose before they'd actually seek medical help. And that's why when it, you know to, for for what drug problems there are, the solution is never making it illegal. The solu- you know if it's a medical problem, if there's an addiction problem, making it illegal does not solve that problem. Yeah, it just drives the users underground, and as you're pointing out, it makes it so they don't want to stick their heads up and be be spotted as a drug user. They don't want to you know, to possibly face time in jail. They certainly don't want to be outed as a drug user because there could be problems with their job as a result of that. And it's not because there's anything inherently wrong with using drugs. It's just because it's illegal. And so, therefore, there are people within society who have determined that, well, if it's illegal and you're doing something that's illegal, then there there's something wrong with that. I disagree, of course. I think that people should be able to medicate themselves and alter their states, and they'll, they're going to do it anyway, regardless yeah. of its illegality. So yeah, That illegality on marijuana hasn't been working. 
it's just making it a lot less safer by making I mean a lot less safe by making it illegal or, or a lot more dangerous if someone particularly if someone's experimenting with you know that the substances aren't all the same sure. you know comparing marijuana to something like heroin or cocaine is uh uh it's, it's ridiculous so but but reg- regardless whatever substances someone has chosen to partake of if they're doing it illegally now if something happens then it's a death sentence you know and, and is that appropriate you know uh because they're afraid to call the hospital you know, right. I had a I had a Salvia article here at some point. Maybe I'll be able to pull it up in a bit. In the meantime, we go to Stephen in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live, Stephen. Good evening, gentlemen. Stephen, what's on your mind tonight? Well, um, I wanted to talk about Jack Johnson, the Who? first black heavyweight champion. Oh. Uh, he was he won the title uh, somewhere around 1908-ish. I'm not sure exactly when. Uh, he was the one, if you've ever heard the expression, the Great White Hope, uh, the concept of the Great White Hope was developed by boxing promoters back then because they were so infuriated that a black man uh, was the heavyweight champ that they were looking for a white guy to unseat him. Hmm. And, oh, I'll, I hear the music, I'll wait. Okay, we're going to find out what that story is all about here, talking about the first uh, black boxing champion here in moments, 800-259-9231. Not sure where it's going, but we'll find out. And you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. Economic news coming up here as malls seem to be going out of business, or at least the businesses within the malls at this point. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can dial toll-free and bring up whatever's on your mind, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hey, it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, freetalklive.com. You enjoy the show. You want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is that you need to buy, they probably sell it in dozens of categories with free Super Saver shipping on a whole lot of items. Get your shopping done and help Free Talk Live all at the same time at Amazon. .freetalklive.com. So we go back to Stephen in Colorado. Stephen, you're telling us about the first black heavyweight uh, boxing champion. What was his name again? Jack Johnson. His name was Jack Johnson. Okay, um, go ahead with your story. You know, a uh, little quick little footnote. I'm less nervous tonight uh, talking about this subject than I usually am when I call in because boxing is something that's near and dear to my heart, especially classic boxing. Okay. But never mind, never mind that. Um, Jack Johnson won the heavyweight championship, and when he did, there was riots. People were so upset. Yep. And the boxing promoter started looking for the great white hope, the white man who could unseat Johnson. Um, and uh, a lot of a lot of these great white hopes got their brains beat up by Johnson because he was just that good. Nice. Um, Johnson was arrested for transporting a uh, – you know, they couldn't beat him in the ring. So what mm. happened was they, went, they ran to the government. He was up. arrested for – Exactly. He was arrested for transporting a, a white woman across state lines for immoral purposes. The way the law read was any time a black man who wasn't a licensed chauffeur was transporting a white woman across state, state lines, it necessarily was for immoral purposes. And, in fact, they considered it to be a law against a crime against nature. Wow, um, that is sick. So, so he later married this woman, and when that happened, the case fell apart. They, they couldn't get a jury to convict, and they just kind of dropped the charges. Well... They found out that earlier, a couple years earlier, prior to meeting her, he had another white girlfriend. That's the other thing about Johnson, too, by the way. He was flamboyant. You know, if he had been a good little, I don't want to use the N-word, but if he had been a good little, you know, black guy saying, yes, Amasa, and all that stuff, they probably would have left him alone, but he was flamboyant. He liked Mm -hmm. jazz. 
He uh, drove around in a fancy car. He wore fancy clothes. He dated white women. Uh, back to the story, they had found out that earlier, a few years earlier, he had transported another white woman across state lines. Uh, again, for moral purposes, they arrested him. Uh, and he ran off to Mexico after losing the, the heavyweight title to Jess Willard. Um, and uh, he ran off to Mexico. He finally gave himself up and served 10 years in prison and had a block, oh block on his record for the rest of his life. Well, he died in 1946, and no president since then has granted him any kind of a pardon. Now, John McCain is working with the great niece of this of Jack Johnson, I forget her name, uh, to get a resolution in the Senate to uh, ask Obama to please give this guy a posthumous pardon. He should have never been... Uh, you know, he should have never been arrested in the first place. He needs to be pardoned. I'm not usually the guy who is into calling your senator and all that crap, but I did today. I called those two worthless idiots, and I asked them, please, can you uh, support McCain in this pardon of this guy for this heinous crime? Well, I, I mean, I guess I'd rather have uh, people, scumbags like John McCain and the other politicians, spending their time working to pardon people than exactly. working to oppress <laughs> Uh, yep. But the guy's already dead, so I'm not sure what good it's going to do. You know, I, I thought of that too, but I guess the family's just really torn up about it. Yeah. You know, they're still it's it's haunting them to this day. And I actually knew the great grandson of Jess Willard, the guy who won his uh, who won his um, uh, the the belt from from Johnson. Uh, so that's just a little side note. <laughs> but you know, but people think about this stuff. I mean, uh, this guy Willard that I knew was still torn up that his granddad was beaten so savagely by Jack Dempsey when he lost his title. You know? When I hear about things like this, when we look back at it now, and all three of us in the in the studio here are just shocked, you know, our jaws drop, but that was the reality of the time. And mm -hmm. I look back on, whenever I hear a story like this, I wish people would, would, would think the same way and go, what are we doing now that 20 years from now, 40 years, 60 years from now, we'll look back on and just go, my God, how barbaric we were. Right. Believing in the state. You know, right. One thing. Right. Well, Absolutely. that's one thing. And I, when I was a liberal, one of my favorite authors, writers, thinkers was Carl Sagan. And I confess, I still do like a lot of his stuff. Um, and he he actually said exactly what you just said, Dale. You know, uh, people look upon historical occurrences and, and figures and say, oh, what savages, what barbarians. But what are 100 years from now, what are they going to think about us? Are, are we going to be considered savages because we throw people in jail for smoking pot? Well, we don't do that. They do. Right, yeah. Uh, but oh, you're right. I mean, certainly looking yeah. back, I expect that to be the case, and hopefully they'll look back on people like us and say, wow, these are the, these are the pioneers in the new abolitionist movement, the, the new movement to abolish slavery completely from this earth, mm -hmm. because it hasn't gone away. It's only changed forms to a much more subtle and much more effective version of slavery, and that's what we're dealing with today, where everyone is enslaved to this concept uh, known as the state, or as Gene, the Christian anarchist, would, would uh, posit, you know, this, this legal fiction that is really nothing more than other men and women that are imposing their will on their, uh, their neighbors. They're aggressing against their neighbors, and it's that aggression that I think people will look back on and say, what were they thinking? And maybe they'll also look back and say, imaginary lines in the, in the sand, and uh, what were they thinking? Why, why would they hate somebody for being born on a different plot of land. I think that's another one yep. that uh, that people need to get over. You know, I, I had a dream the other night. I usually don't dream about these kind of things. I usually have more pleasant dreams. But uh, I had a dream that uh, I was peering into the window of, of a classroom, 
in the future. You know, I don't know how far a thousand years or I don't know is obviously way in the future. And the only part of the dream I can remember is the teacher saying there was a time and uh, there was a country called the United States, and in that country, people believed that only the government could provide education, and the whole class just erupted with laughter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a neat vision. I just wonder if we'll have such things as classrooms in another thousand years. Right, yeah, that's true. Good point. Thanks, dude, for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. I think some people like the uh, the lecture um, experience. and, and Really? Who? Well, I, I can tell you it's an easier, it's an easy way to learn if you, in fact, believe that you're going to learn that way. But I can Didn't tell you me. Um, that I don't remember that much from, you know, school. Then again, yeah. I don't remember that much from the books that I've read either. Sure. Um, so <laughs> I'm not sure what, um, you know, it, it seems to me that if it's important enough that I want to learn about it, I will consume that book and I will uh, teach myself in that manner. But, uh, you know, I think to some extent people like the lecture experience and, you know, that's that's fine, um, but it doesn't need to be had for everything. Who would like something like that? I, I, I guess there's probably somebody out there that, that would like it. Did either of you enjoy being lectured at when you were in school? Oh, I, school was miserable just about from day one to the final day of it. For I found me. those classes to be the absolute most intolerable where the teacher would would essentially put up a uh, they have these overhead machines where the light shines and you use the see-through paper thing. I don't know. They still have those in school. <laughs> anyway, they have these overhead machines where they can project uh paperwork up onto this, uh, a white screen and the teacher would just go down this list of notes, and it was your job to copy the notes all class period long. It was just well, the worst. I understand where you're yeah, It's not teaching you to think. It's just sort of like funnel feeding you. It's it's, and I think it's even a stretch to call it an education. Like the government's yeah. providing something. It's an indoctrination process. They're crushing your individuality and telling you how to fit in and what you're supposed to do and how you you know everything about. They're trying to shape who you are, and you are supposed to be the primary of. Uh, force in shaping who you are and who you become. Well, um, you're certain, I think that you have a better chance of learning some things. Some, certain people are going to have better chances of learning things when they see it, hear it, and write it. And that's what the lecture experience is supposed to give you. But that's, not every lecture is crap. run that's... What's that? It's a bunch of crap, you ask me. Okay, that, that's your opinion. It's them, it's them spouting off that, a bunch you're, of information. You're taking and the worst it of your lecture experiences and calling we're that the lecture like experience. That. No, they're, they're not all like that. Um, I've had actually had teachers that you know do participatory stuff. And well, lecturing is where you a lecture hand is down anything where, that's, where there's one person in charge and they're um, distributing the information in that manner. I think so. That, well, to the extent that it's participatory, then there really is some something going yeah. on. You actually have the, the students. Thinking about what they're, what's being talked about. Then you about can have hear, see, uh, write, and experience, which I believe to be the most powerful um, way of doing it. So, uh, you know, are, are you looking up the word lecture? Yes, I am, and it is an oral presentation, and uh, it's a one-way method of communication. So, it no, it's that? not any sort of interactive experience. Okay. Well, um, under this umbrella of lecture experience, when I was telling, I, I, I believe that some people learn that way better and prefer that than... Um, I'm, I was including participatory class stuff where they ask questions and they go back and forth and they ask you, you know, what you're thinking about it and that kind of thing. I don't know what terminology one would use to describe that experience, but I know it exists because I've had it. So if you don't want to call that a lecture, fine. It's not a lecture. It's whatever you want to call it, but it works.
Yeah, I mean, that might be like participatory education or something like Fine. that. I don't know. I mean, if anybody actually enjoyed the experience of being lectured to, having somebody standing in front of a class and spewing information and handing it down to you and expecting and calling that learning, calling that education, and enjoyed that process, if you enjoyed that, I'd love to hear from you. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I found it intolerable. 1-800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Coming up here, the mall situation in America. It is a dire one. We'll explain and take your calls about whatever you want. It's Free Talk Live. These are challenging times. Inflation, job security, political and financial uncertainty affect us all. Now more than ever, it's important to review your life insurance needs should something happen to you. Experts agree. Most families should have life insurance protection of 10 times their income. The great news is life insurance rates have never been this low. When you call Termco, Gil Edwards will tell you how affordable term life insurance can be. Gil specializes in saving people money on top-rated term life insurance. Find out if you're paying too much or if you don't have enough. Ask about the new return of premium plans, which return your entire premium back to you after 20 or 30 years, tax-free, guaranteed. Your family's protected either way. Get the best coverage with Termco at the lowest possible rate. Call Termco for a free no-obligation quote. Call 800-493-7712. 800-493-7712. That's 800 800- Four nine three seventy seven twelve. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can dial in via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Bring up whatever's on your mind, 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features, we give them away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Right back into your phone calls we go to Ernie in Nevada. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Ernie. Yep. Ernie, you're on, you're on the air. Go ahead. You can hear me fine? Just fine. Go for yeah. it. Okay. I'm, I'm using Skype, and I can't hear when I'm talking. That's okay. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Uh, I just wanted to talk about uh, something that uh, ties into what Gene was talking about last hour, which was you know that the existence of anarchy is the normal state of affairs in, in interpersonal relationships. And there's a way to prove that it works theoretically, and that's with game theory or political choice, like economics. And the simplest way to do it is with, with, the, uh, with a game called the, pr- the Prisoner's Dilemma. Is, we've heard of it. Go ahead and uh, recap what, what that is for our listeners that don't know. It's... Basically, two su- well, the simplest one is the two suspects are arrested, and the police separate them and say to them, "If you rat on," oh, we're losing Ernie. Ernie, are you there? Ernie's gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wait, you're still there. Okay, yeah. okay. go ahead. You, you have to start over from the beginning. Okay. Uh, With the police uh, defining the prisoner's dilemma. Go ahead. Yeah, two suspects are arrested and they're separated, and they're told that. If they rat on the other guy, they get off scot free. And if and the, the scenario is is that if they both cooperate, they get a lower sentence than if if the other guy rats on you. In other words, you get the maximum sentence if somebody rats on you, and you get an intermediate sentence in between. 
And the idea is to maximize or minimize your jail sentence. And it proves that self-interest works in the economy because you, uh, if, if you, if you just use a slight bit of rationality in the whole concept, you choose cooperate each time because that means that you get the intermediate sentence in between. That's a negative instance of it, but there's also a positive instance where you, you get more money if you cooperate or if you commit fraud or cheat, you know, that's the choice that you make, then you get less money. I'm a little and, confused on the point you're making. I, I'm well, sorry. I've heard game theory um, used uh, this particular prisoner's dilemma as, as you're discussing. I've heard it used both to um, support and debunk, uh, you know, sort of free market economics. Well, it, it, it's anarchy because there, well, I mean, you know, anarcho-capitalist idea is that uh, chaos doesn't come just because you have no rulers or no government, that there is a, a, a method that actually enforces it, which is self-interest with a slight bit of rationality and that will m- maximize the benefit to everybody in society. Uh, okay. I don't I- know how to... I, I see where you're coming from. I, don't, I guess you're trying to say that the prisoner's dilemma proves that that a free well, market system will work. I, I don't really understand how that is. I mean, there are all there's all kinds of evidence out there as to how the marketplace does things better than the government does that I think makes a whole lot more sense to people. I have to say I'm having a, tro- a difficult time really I, understanding. I kind of am too. I kind of get the gist. I think of what you're trying to say. And I think I could maybe describe it a little more straightforward in the sense that that violence is destructive, right? But when someone is making you do something, you're not any more productive than you were bef- than you were before. It's just redirecting what you're doing, and that and that person is exerting the effort to use violence and isn't producing anything. And I just think violence in general is destructive. When we engage in wars, a lot of times we're trying to get certain assets for ourselves without actually with nothing new being produced instead of spending the same amount of effort to produce something and then the pie gets bigger as opposed to just taking something from someone else or and, do, and being destructive in the process and the pie gets smaller and we're just trying to divide it up more uh, toward, toward ourselves in our own self-interested, self-interested fashion. So I think there's that sense of violence being destructive and cooperative, productive mm-hmm. activity being good for everyone involved. Is that the idea? Uh, yeah, it's, it's the anti-Hobbesian theory that Society devolves into, you know, tooth and claw uh, if you have anarchy, or a free market for that matter. That, you know, greed will overcome everything. And it's a way to look at it and say, with, with, when you actually play this game, it shows you that if you cooperate, you benefit. When you say you cooperate, you mean cooperate with the police and the, the prisoner's dilemma or the two prisoners cooperating with one another? Well, you could call it conspiracy. In other words, the two prisoners say, whatever happens after we're arrested, we remain silent and we say nothing. That's cooperating. Okay. Sure, but in the prisoner's dilemma, you don't know what the other prisoner is going to do, which is why I don't think the prisoner's dilemma is a really great example as to how it is the free market uh, works well. I think you're right, though, in your in your general point, and that is that uh, as far as it being a tooth-and-claw world in a, in a state of uh, chaos or anarchy or whatever you want to call it, I, I don't think anarchy is equivalent with chaos. Anarchy just means uh, lack of rulers. 
So in a, in a state of, uh, of nature, people will have an incentive to get along with one another because it's in their best interest to do those things. I mean, if they want to continue breathing and enjoying the wonders of the life that we have, then it makes sense for them to continue uh, interacting with one another on a, a voluntary basis. I don't think you really need to bring the prisoner's dilemma into it to, uh, to make a point because the prisoner's dilemma, well, is predicated on uh, the state. I mean, yeah. we're talking about the pr- a prison experience here. Well, you could also look at it as as commerce too. You know, you're, you're in other words, you're going to provide value for value, and you're not going to commit fraud. That's the, that's another way of of setting the whole scenario. Well, and the reason and the reason you don't commit fraud in in commerce is because you want to keep doing commerce and you want to uh, to keep bringing customers through your door. You want to keep doing business, and if you're known as fraudulent in the marketplace, then people are going to spread the word about that, and they're not going to buy your stuff anymore. So the pressures to stay honest are built inherently into the marketplace as long as you have a free market. And I thank you for the call tonight, Ernie. It's the check of the free marketplace, it checks itself because everybody is free to do as much checking as they want to on their competition. If you've got uh, – the greed factor is limited in a free marketplace by the fact that anybody else can compete with you, whereas today, in this kind of fascist socialist system that we have, if the government has uh, decided to limit the marketplace, whether it's limiting it to just a few players or limiting it to a monopoly uh, situation like with a power company, for instance – then there is much less of an in, uh, an interest in providing good customer service and a much lower uh, interest in in being uh, honest with customers. I thank you, by the way, for the uh, the call tonight. Good hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So there's still greed and corruption. It's just some people have a lot more power than other people, and they're still out for their self interest. It's that they're a lot more able to get it using violence and coercion, and that's uh, that doesn't solve the problem. And I I like to tell people that. It's it isn't it's not that uh it's, a free market isn't great for everyone for the people who are in power right now who are benefiting by looting other people it's not going to benefit them it's going to it's going to be the benefit the vast majority of us that are on the lower end of that of that hierarchy right so. people see themselves as being benefited by um you know society limiting uh, you know the players in the marketplace use for instance electrical contractors everybody thinks it's a really good idea to have electrical contractors to be licensed by the state and have a housing inspector come through and look at them but what they don't realize is that housing inspectors you know they can they can look at it in any manner they want they don't have to do their job they're not um they're not held liable for anything that goes wrong mm-hmm. um so they're they're not incentivized to do a good job and the electrical contractors uh, you know they they're basically paying a fee in order to limit the amount of people who are in the marketplace I wired my house um, in Florida, you know, a, a room that I put in, a portion of it, um, and so therefore, you know, I, because I did it myself, I didn't need a contractor, but I had a, I had somebody come in and help me, and they weren't licensed or anything like that. Well, you know, I think I got a gr- really great job done, everything went fine, and... You know, it's no big deal, but the next person who's going to come along is going to believe, well, this house is, 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 you know, it's great. And it may or may not be, but it won't be because the um, electrical engineer or an electrical uh, inspector came through and looked at it. It's because you don't want your house to burn didn't. down. <laughs> right. 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. And this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can dial in toll-free to bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 
And it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those. And the features include Shrine of Female Listeners, dozens of ladies who've taken their validated photo and sent it to us to prove that they listen to the show. You can see the Shrine for yourself at shrine.freetalklive.com. Did you know that over 35% of IT admins admit to snooping through their boss's email? Shouldn't your business email be secure? PrivacyHarbor.com is an email alternative that's private and confidential, guaranteed. PrivacyHarbor.com, because normal email is not secure. That's PrivacyHarbor.com. 800-259-9231. We continue here taking your phone calls and go to Steve in Virginia. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. What's on your mind tonight, Steve? Uh, what I wanted to get was uh, was your opinion on the fact that I, well, I was having a conflict in my own mind about being a registered voter here in Virginia, mm-hmm. um, I registered so I could go out in the primaries and vote for Ron Paul. Sure. And and after that was over, I thought about unregistering just to <laughs> good luck. <get> my, <laughs> just to get my name off the books or whatever, yeah. because figured, hey, someday you know they could twist that against me and say, oh, there's your consent. You signed up. You're a card carrying voter. Have you um, ever heard of any of that ever happening to anyone? Uh, no, not me really. either. I don't think that there's any consent, uh, you know, implicit or explicit no, I when told it comes them, to voting. I told them I didn't consent uh, when I went to court, and they threw me in a jail cell, so it didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was ridiculous when I heard about that. And ever, besides uh, that, they won't let you unregister. At least they won't do it up here. One of our friends looked into it, and he asked about it. Now, of course, they can always lie, so we're, we're presuming they're telling the truth. Uh, but the, the bureaucrats that run the registration process say you cannot unregister. Do you know how to do that, though? You know how they finally got off the books? They uh they started they to sell they their eBay vote. their vote yeah, yeah. they were going to eBay their vote. <laughs> Actually, only one of them got off uh, as a result of that. I think he was the only one that that was doing it though. Okay. Yeah, here in uh, here in Front Royal, um, I've actually been a registered voter before and and actually unregistered wow. just by writing the local registrar. But anyway, um, you know, I, I was conflicted over that. But then I thought, you know, here in Virginia. The voter, I mean, not the voter, the jury pool is um, mm. drawn, you know, at least in part from the voter registration rolls. And I thought that the benefit of just staying on, you know, as a registered voter might put me on a jury one day. It's a chance, yeah. Who, who knows, one day I might be somebody's last line of defense, you know, sitting in a jury. And I just wanted to encourage other, you know, liberty-minded people to... uh you know, find out what it takes to get in the jury pool. I'd I'd love to see you know a lot of liberty type of people. Uh, I'd rather have them in the jury pool than just a bunch of morons. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to be on a jury. I think of it now as an opportunity to 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 be a hero and save someone who's a lot of those people are, are going to be are being tried on victimless crimes and being on a jury is an opportunity to save someone that's going to be uh, prosecuted on. Uh, uh. And the reason for that, Dale, is because jurors have the ability to nullify. So you can vote not guilty in if you're as a juror on a trial, you can vote not guilty based on your feeling about the law. It doesn't have to uh, have anything to do with the facts in the case. You can look at the case no matter what the facts say. You can say this law is crap. It's unjust. I don't uh, support it. And I'm going to vote not guilty because I think the law is terrible. It's called jury nullification, and that's the reason why having liberty-minded people on a jury is useful, because they're more likely to know what jury nullification is. 
So you're right. I mean, that that may be one legitimate reason, even for somebody who is a uh, relatively anti-state individual, to remain on the uh, the voters' rolls. So they will have that slight chance of being called into uh, a jury process. Sure, we all know that juries selection is a essentially a miniature draft, and that you're coerced into going. If you don't go, or you don't give them a good enough excuse, they'll throw you in the jail cell. Uh, so certainly I disagree with the, the, the process of jury selection in, in general, but it's there, it is what it is, and if it can allow us to save somebody from a prison cell, then I think it's, it's, uh, I think it's a worthwhile part of the system to participate in, I have, yeah. to, I have yeah, to say. Yeah, I mean, if you have a chance to save an innocent person from going to prison, I, I mean, that's a great opportunity. I'd jump on it. I mean, you're right. It's the, the, it is a recruitment process that's, that's not, it's not voluntary, obviously, but... Uh, and I think that I don't know if that's the case in New Hampshire, but I know there was a lot of uh, they dismissed uh, or they dispelled these sort of rumors that voting being on the voter rolls was how you got selected for jury duty. I heard there's all these other you know, just about anything uh, driver's license. If you have a driver's license, depends on the community on that. It, it, yeah, it, it, I don't. That's why not, I say I don't know in New Hampshire. It's not the same anywhere. Okay. It's all Does it change by st- uh, state by state or by county by county? <laughs> in some cases, county by county, um, huh. states states will often have different criteria um, that, that they have to meet. Um, so states are more homogenous, but you know it's it's just different everywhere. Steve, but, any other thoughts tonight? Uh, no, that was going to be it for tonight. Thanks I just for the wanted call, to. Uh, I really know, appreciate hearing. People. Yep, appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I encourage people to uh, to do the jury thing as well and learn about jury nullification at FIJA, Fully Informed Jury Association. That's FIJA, F-I-J-A dot org. As we continue, we'll take t- oh, Tony's gone. Let's try Dan in Kentucky. Dan, you're on Free Talk Live. Dan. Yes. You're on the air. Yes. Um, yeah. You asked people at the end of the first hour to call in if they liked lectures. Yeah. Well, I like lectures. That I was really you. Do. You're you're the one boring guy that actually <laughs> likes lectures. Our board op said the same thing. Really? What yeah. was what was to like about a lecture? Well, uh, I didn't really like lectures until I got into college, and when I got to college, I got to pick a major, and so that helped a lot. Oh, and so I you were interested into, in the subject matter at that? Yeah, point. I was. Yes, I, w- I I got into science. I I liked physics I and see. mathematics. I can and, see how uh, that would make a difference if you actually had chosen to be in the lecture. I guess that it would, that would help, right? Because most of the classes that were being le- where I was being lectured, uh, I was forced to go into because it's just part of the system. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, when I chose uh, physics and mathematics based courses, I, I I mainly liked them. Well, as a rule, I liked them, and then. Uh, I like the courses I don't like so much a little bit more, but I, so there's still some types of courses that I'll dislike. But I, I went to tons and tons of lectures, and I liked a, a lot of them. So I you were fully late. absorbed by your interest in the topic at hand. Great point tonight, yes. dude. Thank you for the call. Good. good hearing Thank from you. you. 800-259-9231. I stand corrected. There are people that enjoy lectures, mm-hmm. but the important part is that you actually chose to be there in the first place, right? Well, when I said lecture, it drew up in your mind yeah. some ex- experience or set of experiences, and you weren't willing to see past that. The fact is, you know, obviously... When I say that some people like the lecture experience, they're going to be choosing to go into the class where they're going to be getting the lectures. Yeah, well, in in high school, which is when I thought, because 
that's what I think of when I think of school. Sure. Is I think of high school. High school's prison, yeah. and you have to go there from a certain time to a certain right. time, and you can't get out. I think that uh, I, I think that as uh, you know, as as education evolves, you're going to find people educating themselves in several different, you know, ch- children being educated in lots of different ways. And um, I, you know, that I hope that you come to a point where you know somebody gives a lecture series or something like that, and people could choose to go to it. They're going to be very much more attentive at that point. Toll-free number here tonight, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. There have been a lot of talk about the economy recently, uh, people pointing out how things are a little, you know, times are a little tougher than before, but of course people are still shopping and eating out, so obviously it's not a, a dire situation, though some would suggest that a dire situation is to come. If you look in the malls of America, you're going to find less and less, uh, fewer and fewer, Mark, fewer and fewer, yes. fewer and fewer <laughs> stores uh, present in those malls. We'll get the story on that, plus take your calls about whatever's on your mind. Uh, bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. Hey. The other day I bought my first firearm. Oh, yeah? Yeah. At 357? Match. I even got a $5 good guy discount. Nice. All I had to do was sign up for the military. Sign what? Huh? This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can dial in, bring up whatever's on your mind. Take control of the airwaves, as we say, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, we give them away, so you can enjoy them on us at freetalklive.com. Those features include updates. You get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live, go to updates. .freetalklive.com. Get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Let's talk to Ziggy in the UK. Across the pond. Ziggy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. Hey, Zig, what's on your mind? Right. Right, right now, um, considering the political climate here, I might as well go out to the forest and slit my wrists. Oh, good because heavens. Because you are banging your head against a brick wall, literally. Um, I will give you one example. Today... Uh, or yesterday, as it is here now, it was the budget. Now, this is when the government announces its tax and spending plans. And here's a government estimate, so it's going to be worse. Mm-hmm. In, the <laughs> yeah. year, in the financial year 2013 to 2014, the national debt is going to rise to 79% of this country's GDP. 80% of the uh, gross national product, uh, the, all the money made in the yeah. country, um, that's what the debt is. That's incredible. Yeah, that's, that's what it's going to be. And I've been trying to tell liberals this is a really dangerous thing. And guess what they said? They said, well, people have got mortgages with 300%. We'll be all right. Well, those people with 300% mortgages are having their houses repossessed right now. Last weekend, I had a similar experience. I didn't get thrown in jail, but I had a similar experience with uh, the, the, the Sam. Um, I had to approach a politico um, about something, and basically um, he said, I can't take you seriously, you don't work for the established media. At which point, and he said, stop wasting my time. And I I, I just thought, that's, you know, (laughs) that's, that's, 
No wonder, no wonder people go on killing sprees when they have that attitude. Yeah, well, a lot of people. Uh, you know, I, I, I said, I, I said the other week. I said the other week, and, and, and no, it's, it's, it's a pretty vicious thing to say. I said the only way you're ever going to get a member of parliament in this country to listen to the little man is if the little man literally held a gun to their head. But what about and, Daniel Henneman? Who? Hen, 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 Hen? Oh, the MEP. Who? Um, Ron Paul from he's, Britain. You know, I, I, I think you know he's he's. he's I don't know what his positions are, but he's a conservative, and I bet I wouldn't agree with him on March. Um, oh, I think you agree with him quite a bit. I hear he's uh, here he's very good, very libertarian. But we'll see. Uh, I mean, go check check him out. Well, I, I I can see where Ziggy's coming from, though. The frustration of looking at this system, which is supposed to be... It's what they all tell you to use. Well, you want to change things, you just got to use the oh, system. Yeah, Call your representatives. And then you, you point out that they just don't care what you, what it is you have to say. And I, I, I mean, I'm having some sort I reckon I might be having some sort of breakdown, because for 15 years, I was I, I joined a political party. I campaigned within that political party for, 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 for things I believed in. I joined in debates. I did everything. That, you know, I, I should have done. And uh, uh, three weeks ago, I was writing a piece about uh, tax policy, and I suddenly thought to myself, no one gives a damn what I say. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just useless. You know, that, that's it. You know, and as far, you know, as, yeah. far as I'm concerned... It's that, I'm, fr- I, it's that frustration that drove me to New Hampshire and uh, joining the Free State Project, that frustration with the system and the futility of it all. And it's just a shame that it's not easier for people who uh, live on other plots of land uh, outside of the yeah. imaginary borders of the United States uh, to come here and, and join this movement. It's a shame because people like you, I'm sure, would be saving up for their plane tickets to come here if they I, could. I, I, I just, just one last thing. I'll say this. There was a, there's a liberal guy I know who stood for Parliament, and he knows of your show. His name is Simon. And he, he, just, he, he just says, oh, all libertarians are, are fringes, and they'll never take it, they'll never get any, uh, no, uh, you know, they'll never be taken seriously. Bunch of nutters. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Ziggy, yeah. for the call tonight. I don't know what to tell you beyond get over here and get to New Hampshire or join the European Free State Project or something well, like that. Get together uh, with other like-minded people in the same geographic location. I think that's the only solution to this. Do you think that um, that in order to sign up for the Free State Project, not to move, but just to sign for the Free State Project, to freestateproject.org, mm-hmm. that you need to have all of your immigration papers set up and have to have some kind of clear vision? I don't think so. Getting, I don't think so. I don't feel like to sign up, you know, you just intend... It's your intention to move. To, when... to move. So I'm going to, you know, I'll enter the paperwork. Uh, if, if New Hampshire secedes and becomes its own free state or whatever, then I'll move then or whatever. Yeah, so like, great. You I have think... five years after 20,000 people has reached. So all these people, if you're... Th- if you're if you're uh, if you, if you like the idea, then you've got lots of time to act on it. Lots and, of time if you want to sign up and and it helps. And know. I don't think that uh, that that you know knowing how it's going to happen has anything to do with signing up. I think that you know this is what I intend to do. You could intend to move, and then if the government uh, doesn't allow you, you I mean, I don't so. think that I'm certainly you know no one's gonna. There's not collection agents on the other side of this saying, oh, he signed up, we're gonna go get him. Yeah. You know that's nothing like that. So I mean, it's an intention to move. So I don't think that 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 excludes one from signing at all. I think that just, you know, I'd like yeah, to right. go. So uh, if you I'll, live in Europe and you want to come here to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, go ahead and sign up and then figure out how to do it. I'm going to go ahead and tell Ziggy, you know, before you blow your brains out or go out in the woods and slit your wrists like you described, 
get that monkey off your back. The that process that they are trying to get you to work through is a hamster wheel. And it's going to drive you nuts. <laughs> I think he's understanding that, and that is what's driving him nuts, the, the, yeah. the futility of it all. There's the, amount of, the amount of time and effort and money that you can pour into the political process and get next to zero for results is really frustrating to somebody that's been involved and has failed over and over again. And that's what, it, that's what I, I was talking, I, I guess it was, on, yeah, it was on the freekeen.com in one of the comments threads. One lady was asking, or someone who's uh, ostensibly a lady, was asking the question about, well, you know, why is it you guys are having such a tough time getting people up to New Hampshire? Only got a few hundred people that have moved so far. Why is it such a a difficult uh, task? And I admit, it's a difficult task to get people to move to become activists for liberty in New Hampshire because most people aren't activists now, and so they don't understand the futility of the system that Ziggy was just explaining there. Mm -hmm. They haven't worked uh, extensively within the system, and they haven't failed. So because they haven't failed at trying to change things within the system, they don't realize how futile it truly is. And so when somebody comes to them and says, hey, why don't you join us in New Hampshire? We're doing all this great activism. It's a great time. Come on up. They say to themselves, well, what's wrong with being here? I can do activism here. here. Yeah, we can do <laughs> activism here. We could get people together. We could change things here. They have to burn out first before exactly. they're ready to come up here. <laughs> don't you think? I mean, you ran yeah, for office before. Yeah, I think that's probably before. something. I, oh, I ran for office. Yeah, yeah. So you I mean, I, the funny thing for me is I knew I wasn't going to win, and so I thought, oh, this gives me free reign to use it as a platform to speak about mm-hmm. all my ideals and things I believe in, and this is what was so funny to me. I, it was hopeless. There's no way I could win. I went into it knowing that. I was comfortable with that. I, I really had no plans to run for office. I was talked into it. I'm like, okay, I'm more concerned about talking about, about my ideas and things like that than I am about trying to win the office, actually. But I couldn't do that. Even even just once I got into that process, there were so many pressures on me, and so many uh, so many people. You know, the people who were paying, the, there was some some pressures on me for the people who were paying for me to my registration fee to sign up, and then I need a certain number of signatures, and so I need to help getting the signatures. And the people who are going to help me get signatures, they put pressure on me to run a certain way to and water all this down stuff. your message or something. Yeah, oh, like absolutely, that? And, uh, really? and and to, and also to you know just just to. There was, a, there was it was just pressure from all these different directions so the for a losing candidate. So the compromising <laughs> began right off the bat, is what oh, you're saying. Oh, oh, mo- moments after I got wow. like started to pursue it. I mean, it was just it was amazing how quickly the all the ideals and all the all my ideals and everything was like down the drain <laughs> and melted away instantly. So, but That's I just amazing. think that uh, yeah, I, uh, I I I think that you have to. Um, I, I lost my train of thought. Now. That's all right. <laughs> it's frustrating. It's frustrating to deal with this system, which is built to isolate itself from change. It, oh, I remember it, what I was going to say now. <laughs> you jog my memory. Is that you can use the, the nature of the system is to control the violence. You can use it to control violence. It's not meant to, to reduce the violence. And that's people are trying to do something that it's not the nature of the system to do. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. So if you haven't failed using the system... And you're not willing to take our word for it. You need to get out there and fail at it before you really come to the understanding that Ziggy has and that uh, that we have and that it's broken. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial toll-free and bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. Now, if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, 
Well, actually, I ch- uh, let me take that back. If you like the show and you want to help support an organization that Free Talk Live supports, then you can shop through newegg.freetalklive.com. And when you enter through that link and you buy all the computer parts that you might need, then the CD Evolution Fund will get a percentage of your sale. CDEvolution.org is a fund that's been set up to support activists like Sam, uh, who have been arrested and persecuted by the state for civil disobedience. Uh, non-cooperation, that sort of thing, and getting behind those activists with your uh, financial, uh, with with dollars, and helping support them in their time of need. Uh, you can go to cdevolution.org to donate directly, or you can contribute via, by shopping at, at newegg.freetalklive.com. Uh, just, a, by the way, a quick update from our friend Sam, co-host, uh, documentarian Sam from obscuretruth.com. He is still in jail. And they have allowed him access to the law computer at this point. So they have a computer in a, a law library. They have allowed him to access that. He did have to wade through some. Uh, they really silly not allowing him to do that. Uh, you know, so I, you know, that was that was the, uh, the the biggest breach that they've had so far. Well, he believes that the fact that he's been able to communicate with us and have us talking about this on the sh- the show, his situation may have contributed to the jailers being a little more flexible in that case because they don't want to be seen as being awful. They brought, uh, for instance, we mentioned how there was feces floating around on the floor when he got into his cell the other day, and that was because the the toilets had been backing up in the jail, and they hadn't sent anybody out to fix it. He said that all of a sudden somebody turned up to fix one of those toilets recently. So it could have been a coincidence, maybe not, but you know, all of a sudden somebody's there to fix a toilet, and they're letting him access uh, the law library. So that's a step in the right direction. And uh, he also pointed out that apparently in the New Hampshire Constitution, there's an Article 14 in the Bill of Rights that, and I don't have it in front of me at the moment, but he, as he described it, basically says that if they're going to be charging you with something, they need to actually present you with the charges. He has never been presented with the charges. They're just holding him in a jail cell for an indefinite period of time until he gives them what they would hopefully believed to be his legal name. He has not given them uh, that information yet, but they haven't done what they're even constitutionally supposed to do. So it sounds like if he's, it sounds like Sam's got a case here as far as the Constitution is concerned. I I understand where you're coming from, but sort of the court system and uh, contempt of court, which is essentially what he's, uh, uh, you know, he's charged with disorderly disorderly conduct. He never walked into court. Hmm. This, well, he's he's in there on, under a judge's order, as, yes. and judges' orders as, are extra constitutional. They're extra legal. It's crazy. So he's, I, I, the way I describe it, he is being he is getting a life sentence. It's you know indefinitely in prison until he cooperates. He's mm-hmm. getting a life sentence for remaining silent. So this whole notion of your right, right you have a right remain to silent. remain silent, and uh, obviously not. <laughs> well, you do have a right to remain silent. It's just that they're going to throw you in a jail cell if you do so. Apparently. <laughs> They they can't stop you from remaining silent. Yeah. They can't force you to speak, but at the same time, they can certainly put pressure on you. Uh, we continue here, and uh, so I, that that's the the latest from Sam. Ivy is out there, kind of our legal eagle. She's out there filing. She I think she filed a writ of habeas corpus today. She filed that I think with the superior court and had not yet heard back from them. So I guess they're trying to get the superior court to look at the situation and to uh, reach down and 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 hopefully rescue Sam. But you know, to expect anything out of this system, I think, is to expect too much. So uh, you, it's hard to even cross your fingers with this stuff. It is. I, after watching a number of court cases, I sit there and watch them, and I, 
I look at some what some of these judges, uh, their notion of what's a reasonable doubt. You know, you're, you're supposed to be proved guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And I've watched these things, and it just really at this point, it just it becomes apparent that we are just subject to their whims. They're going to do mm-hmm. what they're going to do, and it's uh, you know, it's just uh, essentially they just want you, you know, they want to. They want us to beg for every little bit of freedom that we that we could possibly have. They want us completely. But that's not how you get freedom. No, you're right. You don't get freedom by begging. And that's one of the things that I think Americans really need to start to understand. And I don't know how soon it's going to happen. It seems like it's a long way off at at this point, considering even liberty minded people still believe for the most part that they can achieve freedom by using the system. I think that there's something to be said for the system, especially here in New Hampshire, where there has been some success, uh, a limited amount of success. Uh, but certainly I think, more than civil disobedience is wrought. But there I haven't been enough. There I hasn't been a lot that. of civil disobedience, and I think nope, that there if, hasn't. if there were a lot of civil disobedience, it would all change so quickly. The political system would follow the civil disobedience just as it did with uh, you know Martin Luther King, and just as it did with Rosa Parks. Uh, these the civil disobedience can lead that that change, and then essentially the political system will kind of run to catch up with the civil disobedience if enough people just decided to non-cooperate on whatever the given oppression was if enough people just uh, decided to stop begging and instead stand up like free men and women they wouldn't be able to fill the jails they wouldn't be able to build the jails fast enough to put all those people in them again i i I said it before too i don't think you you can set a goal and arbitrarily reach that goal and say oh i want to get elect some people to office that's fine but that doesn't mean we've got more freedom and 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 maybe it will i mean maybe it will lead to enough people getting elected to office and then they'll pass they'll actually roll back some things in the state i'm sorry i I laugh a little bit when i think about it but it's maybe (laughs) that'll happen um i mean at the point at this point they're like really really thrilled if they keep something that some kind of freedom that new hampshire already had from being lost Uh, Occasionally, and sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Maybe, and uh, at this point, I haven't, seen, you know, I want to, you know, see freedoms get rolled back because of our people that have gotten in there. But well, uh, there's a ways no. to go on that. But you can, but you can see uh, that we've done far more here than has been done in the other 49 states from, you know, the, oh, uh, the history of so. uh, the United oh, yeah. States. I mean, I, I do think that there's definitely, uh, you know, there's. There's more hope here for that than anywhere else, and I would say that if there's any hope at all left for pro- politics, it would have to be here through the Free State Project in terms of actually getting more freedom. Like I said, poli- the nature of politics is to control the violence. The, st- the system is inherently violent. It's all about controlling it. If you're trying to get uh, some kind of control, like if you want to you know, enhance the – the uh, the violence on behalf of your union or your company or get regulations more in your favor. It's great for that. When you're trying to go in there and actually roll back and actually, you know, you're you're actually acting asking the state to sort of cannibalize itself. Yeah. And, and that's uh, what's so against its nature. Oh, so. I'm I'm with you on that. That um, and I was I was thinking an interesting parallel. My wife was talking about uh, you know the the sort of emergence of breastfeeding, the reemergence of breastfeeding, and how public it, breastfeeding. You mean? No, just breastfeeding. Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> um, and for a while there, it was considered a bad idea to breastfeed your children. Hmm, um, it was. It, well, it, it was. It was. Doesn't make sense to me. Well, but think about it for a second. What? Um, who? Who profits from breastfeeding? Nobody. There you go. <laughs> who profits from libertarianism, freedom, um, free markets? Everybody. Everybody but um, the bureaucrats. Right. Everybody but the you know any organization that might advertise. 
right? So I guess children, the children and the mothers profit from breastfeeding, or at least the children profit from breastfeeding. Um, so individually, everybody profits from breastfeeding. So you can you can find this parallel there. But they did manage to doctors managed to as experts, you know, step forward and say breastfeeding's better. Breastfeeding's better. It started in the uh, third world countries where women were using bad, unpotable water to make a. Uh, um, formula and watering down the formula because it was expensive. And so they began doing studies and things like that. And then they found out that breastfeeding is better. Um, you know, so I'm just saying that, that seems it, intuitive to me. It can <laughs> yeah, be done. It's so funny that we have to prove that. Well, but, it's going to seem okay. intuitive that freedom is the right way to go in, you know, whatever amount of time that it takes for us to achieve it. It's clear to us. Right. But we're on the, you know, the pioneering edge of this. Now, obviously, breastfeeding's gone, uh, you know, much faster, the return of it. But I, you know, I, it, it was just an interesting parallel that I thought of. Let's talk to Colin in Illinois. Colin, you are on Free Talk Live. Colin, Hi. you're on the you air, sir. There you are. Go for it. All right. Yeah, I was talking about the schools earlier, about the lectures. And I'm, I'm in school right now. I'm in high school. That's pretty much my entire six-hour day there, just listening to a teacher drone on Ugh. about things I really don't care about. It's awful, isn't it? Do they, yeah, do they force you to bad. just take notes as well? Yeah, we just have to copy down what they put on the overhead. Nothing could be I – mean, that's, that's what makes lectures even worse, is when they force you to take notes during the lecture. At least during, at least during a regular lecture, you can sit there and zone out if you don't have to really be doing something with your hand and, and have to turn in notes afterwards or, or later on. At least then you can kind of zone out or, or do some you – know, play some game on your, uh, your phone or your, your calculator or something like that. But, man, when they, make, when they make you take the notes, it's just the worst of the worst. That that note taking process to me is very distracting. I can't be listening to what they're, I I can't be listening to what the teacher is saying and trying to grok it and interpret it and understand it. Uh, I you know I can't be thinking about oh I don't quite understand this. I need to ask the teacher a question about it or something. I'm so frantically just trying to get the notes written down. Thanks, Colin, for the call tonight. Good hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Hour number three is coming up. Still got to talk about the mall vacancies. If you're looking to Purchase yourself uh, or rent yourself a slot in a mall nearby. They might be offering them at uh, fire sale rates because they're having a tough time keeping businesses in there. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Plus, National Service comes to the U.K. soon. Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. Launching at hour three, you bring up anything, just dial in 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And joining you tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Right back into your phone calls, we go to Steve in South Carolina. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live. Steve? In SC. Steve going hey once. You're there. Go ahead. Ian, Dale, and Mark, how are you? Super, Good. Steve. What's on your mind? Uh, so sidebar, uh, lectures, what, we can use electronics because I used to go to the lectures, and if I'm going to take notes, I just do bullet points. I put a digital recorder right down on front row, even on the professor's desk, 
and just record everything, then I can take my time and go back through it and then take the notes I need to take. So I'm not frantically taking notes. I can just kick back. I can just write down bullet points. Because what we're talking about is we want these people who are going through these boring lectures to be successful. So, I mean, that's one way to do it. That's a good idea. Yeah, bring a uh, digital recorder or something like that to help you out if you've got to deal with that crap. Yeah, especially when I was in anthropology. I made an A, and I do not like cultural anthropology. But anyway... Mm -hmm. My point being, um, the reason I call is about networking. I mean, right now, you guys are the beacon of the Free State Project. <clears throat> and my thought was, is, you know, just for some reason, I thought of Harriet Tudman and the Underground Railroad. So we have people who are, who are going to stay in the other 49 states. Mm -hmm. and they're going to be advocates for the Free State Project. And these people who are disgruntled, they may have, you know, some sort of, um, local meetings and hand out flyers during protests or whatever, tea party, so on and so forth, and, you know, get these people interested. And also, if they need somebody local to talk to, we can talk to them and say, you know what, if this is what you want to do, then move to New Hampshire. Yeah. Live free um, is that something you want to do, Steve? Well, yeah, I was thinking about that. And not only me, but I thought maybe, you know, especially when we were talking to Ziggy across the pond. I was like, you know, he's restricted at that point, but what he can do is be an advocate for the Free State Project, and, you know, he can find these people who are like, eh, I'm fed up, so on and so forth. Well, if you want to make a difference, then here. You yeah. might want to consider doing this. Well, it's actually but already happening, um, and for our listeners that don't know, the Free State Project is a movement that is designed to draw as many liberty-loving individuals all to the same geographic landmass as possible. That would be New Hampshire. That was the state that was chosen and it's already happening. Hundreds of people have moved at this point. Uh, those of us who are on the show here tonight, we're all free staters. We moved here within the last few years to achieve more liberty in our lifetimes. And But before we came here, uh, that was one of the things I was doing down in Florida, was actively promoting the Free State Project. And if you are a free stater, and, that, and if you're a free stater, if you're a participant in the Free State Project or a friend of the Free State Project, then you can absolutely organize a, what they call a local group. You can go to freestateproject.org and you can get in touch with the local group's coordinator and they'll get you some names and uh, information if you're interested of the existing free staters that might already live in the county in which you live or the surrounding areas. And then you can call those people up and you can all get together and figure out how you can reach out to people that might be of like mindset and, and bring them on board with this idea. So that already does exist. Where is that information available? Somewhere at freestateproject.org. <laughs> I don't know exactly where it is. There's a list of email uh, contacts on there, and the person you probably want to talk to is the membership coordinator, I, I think. I think that's Seth, Seth Hipple. Yeah, but, I mean, the email address is, is that membership at freestateproject.org, perhaps, I'm guessing, maybe members at freestateproject.org. But go go to the website, poke around, and, and you'll find it. Just look for the local groups. Anything else on your mind tonight? Well, I, I just thought that, you know, you need to have some people in the 49 states in the trenches you know, promoting this and moving people to the railroad, you know, as the Harriet Tubman uh, similarity, yeah. uh, to get these people there. And, and these people stay behind, and they continue to disseminate the information and get it promoted and get these people there and turn the uh, the politics around and, you know, with the, the public disobedience and, and get this thing changed and get it moving because, you know, you guys were talking about earlier this week, 19 people came and they protested in front of the courthouse. Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if I'm driving by, 19 people just seem to me to be, you know, uh, just a few radicals. 
but you know, if you get a hundred. Mm-hmm. It, it is moving. Yeah, it's not that far but, off. Uh, you, I mean, I'm watching it just in the, I've been in Keene uh, just the last few months. I've just, I, it just seems like it's snowballed. And it uh, already seems to be happening again with Sam's incident and everything. Thank you for the well, call tonight. That was one of those trailing off uh, incidents. I, 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 you I, my air ran out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, by the way, Steve. Appreciate hearing from you. 800 259 I agree with him. Um, I think 19 people is, uh, a, you know, is still quite a bit. You find you find a liberty uh, activity where 19 people are. It's a big one. But yeah. and especially at you know courthouse in Keene, you're like right on the street. We're not talking about some courthouse that's set back, you know, hundreds of yards away from the uh, street. No, was, some... The 19 people was out in Westmoreland, out at the jail, which is out in the middle of nowhere. We actually had about 50 people when we got when we had the candlelight vigil in Keene. Mm-hmm. So I mean, n- the numbers continue to grow, and he's right. I mean, if you just see a handful of people on the side of the road, well, no big deal. But when there are 50 to 100 people gathered together for the same purpose, that's and, pretty persuasive. And 19 people at the jail caused them to lock down because they didn't that's true. the impact we were having on the prisoners. You know, Oh, no, they're raising the morale of the prisoners. Yeah. Uh, lock down the prison. <laughs> well, that's actually kind of bu- a bummer, though, right, that they're locking the prisoners down because... You know, we don't want to cause that necessarily. No, I right? definitely don't. I just think it's it's just it's just kind of funny to me that they react so dramatically to some protesters walking around the building outside. Yeah. I wonder how you lock down a county jail um, in the same way. Like, they didn't lock everybody down. They just, you know, you can you can lock down sentenced criminals because you can threaten them with more of their sentence that they will have to serve. Mm-hmm. Unsentenced criminals, really, all you can do is beat them up or put them in solitary. My, well, my understanding is they moved the prisoners around so that they couldn't be watching us through the windows and things like that. They moved them to the center. There's some center area, which is normally I don't know. I don't think they normally have access to that area all the time. They're more in certain secured areas, and they moved them to the center, uh, away from windows and things like that. I'm, I'm I don't remember the details. Yeah, so. I don't I don't know for sure exactly how it works, but I do know that. When we were walking around the jail, the the protesters were walking around the jail. There were some windows that there, there's a certain set of windows that Sam, our friend who's currently in jail, told us that he could see out of if he was out and about. And he was not there because we heard him banging on the window a few days earlier. But today, no, or that not today, but at the most recent time, uh, nobody was banging on the window. So they'd locked those particular prisoners down because when you went on the other side of the building, there were other prisoners that were waving and you know, yeah. it was a peace symbol and you know that sort of thing. Thumbs up. So they didn't lock all of the prisoners down, just the ones that I guess were in Sam's area or something like that. I don't know. And you ask how they do it, Mark? I guess they probably just order them in their cells. Yeah, I would threaten to kick their butts or, uh, you know, whatever it is they do. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Let's talk to Alex in Virginia. Alex, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, yes, hi. Um, um, I had a couple um, um, comments that I was going to um, bring up. One was um, about the FEMA camp. I heard on um, the Alex Jones show that uh, they're going to... Um, um, bring out like a, a drill um, on June 27th or something. They're going to bring a drill. Where are they right. bringing the drill? No, I mean, it's going to be like all over pretty much um, the U.S. And what it's does that mean? Like, what, what, what does it mean they're going to bring a drill all over the U.S.? I mean, they're going to um, pretty much um, like have drill drill exercises like, like they had in, in the past. Like what kind of drills? Are you talking about military members uh, drilling? I think in the they're going to have. That's what I heard was um, they're going to have military drills, and there's going to be also um, militaries from 
Canada and and um, maybe other areas. They're going to have like. Um, maybe gun confiscation drills or something like that. Well, first of all, don't take everything you hear on the radio as uh, the the word's truth, uh, because it's just somebody on the radio talking. I don't know where the information was uh, was coming from, Alex. I'm not sure what you know where the where the source is, but I th- oh. I would say it's questionable. I mean, yes, there have been instances of the military running uh, drills and. And that's certainly, I think, abhorrent and, and should be something that's pointed out if, if it actually occurs. We'll bring you back right. here in a moment. 800-259-9231. Mark's got some questions for you. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything, and whether you're telling the truth or not, we don't know. We'll just talk to you about it. It's Free Talk Live. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's in here with you. And Dale. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com, and those features, by the way, include the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, you can click and download right there on the front page of the website, for your downloading convenience at freetalklive.com. Now, Free Talk Live is brought to you by Termco Life Insurance Agency, protecting your family against financial loss due to an untimely death. Call 800-493-7712. That's 1-800-493-7712 for Termco Life Insurance Agency. If you have a family, you need to have some level of uh, you know life insurance. All right. call. So we continue here. We would have brought Alex back, but he dropped off the line. Alex was calling to uh, to explain to us in confusing terms what he believed was going to happen in the uh, the late portion of June. He believed there were uh, there is going to be some sort of military action here in the United States involving potentially military members from outside of the United States, as in the Canadian, uh, the Canadian military, running some sort of operations, rounding people up, putting them into uh, the FEMA camps or something like that. Mark, you wanted right. to now, comment. Go ahead. Yeah, this same thing, this the same rumor has been uh, circulating for decades. Okay, the conspiracy theorists, and they're, you know, they're, they're, they certainly have gotten a surge recently. There's, there's more of them now than there were with the 9-11 thing, and they're getting people on board. They're recruiting well. Um, but this same rumor has come and gone so many times, it's ridiculous. And this is the kind of evil crack pottery that, um, that just, it doesn't serve anyone. It's only detrimental. And, I, like, I want to I wanna tell us, what I wanted to talk to uh, uh, Alex about was, this, you know, I've been, you'd think this was the first book I ever read. Uh, mistakes were made, but not by me, because it was, it's been, it's, it's been life-changing for me. I, 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 it's a great book. And in it, they told a story about uh, a cult group that was led by this woman who uh, said that, um, you know, to her, you know, cult members that, uh, whatever, the spaceship was coming to get him, Jesus was coming back that day, only they would be uh, the ones taken, give away all your stuff, all your earthly possessions, mm. um, and, uh, you know, come and meet in my yard. Now, her husband wasn't on board, he thought she was nuts, and uh, he went to sleep. Uh, but <laughs> they all, you know, they were all in the yard waiting for Yahweh or, uh, you know, uh, E.T. or whatever they were yeah. waiting on, right? And to whisk them away. The time came, and it went, and hours later, you know, they assumed that maybe the aliens were working on Pacific time instead of Eastern uh-huh. time or whatever. Hours and hours later, <laughs> um, they finally figured out that uh, they weren't coming. So, wow, what do you think happened? 
Some people decided that she was a false prophet and went about their own way. Not a one of them. No. Not a single one of they them. They were so dr- the, drunk right? with I the Kool-Aid. Mean, the, you, you, once you get, you know, the more you get on board with one of these things, the more you uh, emotionally invest or even physically invest. In this, and they give away their houses, their property, their cars, their, their, yeah. their clothes, everything. She couldn't be wrong, she, right? They That's couldn't the have mentality. made a mistake like that. Uh, they couldn't be so foolish. So gullible as to have swallowed so, somebody like right, that. The cognitive dissonance, and that's what that experience is, right. how could I be so foolish, how could I be so stupid, leads to some level of justification in their mind where they say, well, this has to... Now, if Alex Jones said this, and I don't know, I don't listen to Alex Jones' show, um, but uh, you know, I just don't have the time during the day, I'm working... If if Alex Jones said that on June the 27th, the, the U.N. forces will sweep in and they'll have Chinese troops in the street confiscating your weapons and taking your children off to FEMA camps, if that doesn't happen, I want you to ask yourself, stop and ask yourself, what does that mean about whomever told you that? And I don't know if Alex Jones said it or what. Yeah, it it's means just a claim they're from a wrong. Yeah. Okay? That they're spreading I, fear, whether they believe it or not, and likely they do, it's just... Foolishness. I think Alex might be on to something. I don't trust those Canadians with their beady, <laughs> beady little eyes and their flapping heads so full of lies. They well, could be coming down here to get us. Seriously, though, I mean, the truth is there have been military operations that have happened within the United States, and that's a scary situation. But having, the, did you, you the, the picture that was just painted here on the air um, was a last scale right, kind of was something entirely rounding people different. Up. Believe yeah. me, if you're going to be taken to a FEMA camp, and like I know that FEMA's making camps, certainly the, the, the contracts are out there, but likely they're not for rounding people up and putting you know Americans, patriots in them or whatever. If you're going to be put in a FEMA camp, you're going to be put in by an American, okay? Yeah. They're not going to bring Chinese troops here. They don't need to do it. An American soldier, if given an order, is likely going to put a bullet in your head. This is I'm a sorry to say, terrorist. that's just the way it is. This is a suspected terrorist. Lock him up. Right. The, the, before, before they ever go in, the police will be saying, we're going to apprehend a terrorist, mm-hmm. a domestic terrorist who could be armed, could be dangerous. If he gives one you know, false move, you need, to get, you need to take him down. Right. And that's what scares me is their definition of terrorist is getting really, really broad. Right. <laughs> so this, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. It just it, it seems so silly to me, these, these, these stories. They have, they, all the time, we're told, we're told that the foreign troops are coming in, yeah. we're fill up the FEMA camps. The FEMA camps, I'm not saying that, they, that there haven't been contracts for them, but the, everything I see online is not a FEMA camp. Yeah. Okay. Is, now, it, it is certainly possible that these camps could be utilized in the future to put innocent people in. I mean, they could they are, round up All the Muslims. prisons are being done that now, d- they, done that way now. They could round up Muslims. They could round up, uh, you know, immigrants. They could round up anybody they want to. They've done it before. So it would be ignorant to say, well, that's just not going to happen. But at the same time, it's also, we get back to this defeatist mentality that we were talking about in the first hour, I think it was the first hour of the show, with the conspiracy uh, crowd, to where if you believe what it was that that guy was saying... If you believe that sometime this summer they're going to start rounding people up and that uh, foreign troops are going to be in the streets, what do you do about that? I mean, if you believe that to be true, what do you do about it? You think calling talk shows is going to stop it? Right. Because then then you are in a position in your mind where it's just inevitable. It's a matter of time before they come for me. And then what do you do? You, you stock up on food? Well, that's not going to help you. If they're rounding people up door to door, they're going to come in your house and they're going to find you hiding in your basement. So you're going to get some ammo? 
And you're going to start shooting when they when they come to get you? Well, you could try that. And maybe you'll, end you'll up like that guy. You'll end up like that guy in, what was it, Philadelphia a, few, a couple of weeks ago who, you know, shot the cops that came after him. What happened to him? Well, we read the story on the air. I don't remember. He was locked up. Okay. So they got him. Yeah, of course yeah. they got him. He's lucky he he lived through it. He's lucky and he he's being painted as a crackpot, yeah, dangerous man, and all that other stuff. He's probably put the if if he was you know a liberty loving individual, he's likely put the movement back a little bit. Mm-hmm. It hasn't done anything. I was I, I was gonna say like Ian said, I'm surprised he survived long enough to make it to prison. So what do you do if you believe that everything is going to hell in the middle of the summer and one day in the middle of the summer that it's all going to come to an end when everybody starts getting rounded up? What do you do about that? 1-800-259-9231. And don't tell, call, don't tell me I'm going to call a bunch of talk shows and let everybody know. Because if you let everybody know about it, first of all, most people aren't going to believe you. I sure don't. But if they did believe you, I, I'm sorry. I'm disconnected from uh, what, what would possibly be the result of all of this, you know, promoting that idea. Can you help me with this? 1-800-259-9231. Am I missing something here? Seems like more of the conspiracy crowd's defeatism. There's nothing we can do. They're going to round us all up and exterminate the population. Now, there's likely, I know that there's a seed of truth in this. In fact, there is a terrorist prevention thing going on that the uh, Department of Homeland Security or whatever is holding between the 27th and 31st of July. Uh But, you know, they're not taking anyone, anyone to FEMA camps. More coming up. Free Talk Live. Not yet. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything and take control of the airwaves. Bring up uh, anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 1-800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those, including the bulletin board system with over 450,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about. Serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. So we were talking with a gentleman a few moments ago who started painting a very scary picture. Alex uh, in Virginia was saying he heard on another radio show that sometime this summer the federal government uh, combined with the Canadian military was going to start rounding people up and putting them into uh, internment camps. And so then, Mark, you apparently were sent something, and I was sent something as well, uh, from blogofbile.com, talking about this national-level exercise 2009, suggesting that this is perhaps what the caller earlier was talking about. We couldn't find out for sure because he hung up. But it says here on the FEMA website that the National Level Exercise 2009 is scheduled for July 27th, so not June. I think he, I thought it was he said June, but we have an extra month. Yeah, uh, it says that they'll be the first major exercise conducted by the U.S. government that will focus exclusively on terrorism prevention and protection, as opposed to incident response and recovery. And so then they go on to blab, blather on about all of the things that they're going to do, and they basically, uh, essentially, they simulate. 
uh, terrorist attacks, and they uh, they try to respond in the way that they think they would respond. And as as we've said, they've done things like this in the past. There was a national level exercise, 2008. I googled it. It did happen, and I don't recall any reports of people going missing uh, in mass occurrences well, back then. But you see, the media's in on it. Oh right, but see that that's that's where the that's where this rabbit hole goes is you know it's, you get this this paranoia that you're not being told even what the truth is and it, you're probably not being told what sure. the truth is but come on really people are going missing in the United States uh, you know by the the hundreds uh, they're being swept up and put into camps that we you know can't identify we don't fi- can't find. Well, don't you think that if they're going to sweep somebody up and put them into a camp, there'd be, oh, I don't know, a reason for it, like targeting dissidents? And if, if don't you think their family would make some noise? Yeah, if, somebody's going to make noise. If they did this noise. in 08, why didn't they have, you know, why didn't their families make some noise? The way they'll do it is they'll hide people in plain sight. They'll just come up. They'll just legitimize what they're doing. That's what they. That's how they get away with everything. Is they just wait? Who will legitimize? They, what well, I'm sorry. If, I'm sorry. If the government starts locking people up in droves, it'll be because they uh, they'll be painted as terrorists and Ch- child pornographers, and, you know, whatever. So yeah, what you're that, saying is they won't do it in secret. They'll no. put out a press release and say the government rounded up 2,000 suspected terrorists today. And everyone will cheer them on because they'll be convinced that it was for a good reason and they're keeping us safe and it's absolutely necessary and that's how they'll do it they won't be like that won't be you know and i'm sure that every every person who's for this war on terror and they're they they are legioned out there obviously they want the united states to be safe and all that stuff cheered last week when they i believe it was in great britain caught those nine terrorists uh they were swept up by the government well they released them all the oh, day really? before yesterday because they didn't have a shred of evidence. It was all made up. That's nice that they released them. They didn't put them in a camp. Right? Well, it's, it's true, but they'll never, they won't even hear that news. I just said it, and they won't hear what I said. Yeah. Because the blinders are on and the earmuffs are over. And the rose-colored glasses. <laughs> just and, uh, can't tell. If you haven't seen Dale's uh, cartoons yet, head over to anarchyinyourhead.com. And is the rose-colored glasses one of the more, uh, a couple of them actually, t- two of the more recent The third cartoons. one is tonight when I get oh, back. Cool. All right, cool. <laughs> when I get so, back and finish it, yeah. So you can find out about that over at anarchyinyourhead.com. Plus, uh, get some great commentary as well. All right. Well, so the paranoia, uh, you know, the paranoia just continues to abound within the conspiracy uh, fringer community. And of course, they all believe that uh, everything is just it's unstoppable, that inevitably we're all going to be rounded up, put into camps, gassed, whatever they whatever it is that they believe. And if that's what you believe, then I feel kind of sorry for you. Because it's such a it's such well, a defeatist mentality. Who wants to live like that? Why don't you just go ahead and kill yourself? I mean, if you believe they're going to put you in a camp, you might as well put a bullet in your head. Because what do you have to live for? If if all you have to live for is just to you know to to live out the next few months before they come and get you, that's no life. It that's seems terrible. like such a distraction anyway. Because the bad things they're doing, they're doing it right in front of our faces. They're just overt about it now sure all the tyranny is it's easy to see and like you said they don't have to bring in foreign troops to sweep up americans you know they'll they'll pick up the ones that they want to pick up and they'll pick them up piece by piece and Mm -hmm. you know uh, relatively quickly they'll call them terrorists and And you won't be able to do get trials and there'll be a story spun in front of the media and that'll be and everyone will buy into it and they'll just go on Speaking of stories, we'll change gears here. Uh, CNNMoney.com reporting on strip malls, neighborhood centers, and regional malls. 
They've been losing stores at the fastest pace in at least a decade, as the spending slump forces retailers to trim down to stay afloat. According to a real estate industry report, the consequence for consumers, fewer stores in which to shop and less product choice. In just the first quarter of 2009, these numbers are pretty amazing. In the first quarter of this year, retail tenants at these centers have vacated 8.7 million square feet of commercial space. According to the latest reports from New York-based real estate research firm Rice. Now that number exceeds the 8.6 million square feet of retail space that was vacated in all of 2008. So in the first quarter of 2009, 8.7 million square feet of retail space vacated. People mm. going out of business, closing down shop, saying this is it, we can't take it in this economy anymore, we're done. Compared to last year through the whole year where 8.6 million square feet was vacated. So in one quarter, you've had more vac- uh, vacation, more, more businesses quitting and, and throwing in the towel and closing down shop in these strip malls. And uh, they're saying strip malls, neighborhood centers, and regional malls. In these shopping areas, more have closed within this first quarter of this year than all of last year combined. That's pretty big. That number actually, uh, Rice's report shows that the store vacancy rates at malls rose 9.5% in the first quarter, outpassing the, or outpacing rather, the 8.9% vacancy rate registered in all of 2008, marking the largest single quarter jump in vacancies since Rice began publishing quarterly figures in 1999. Jeez. And uh, there's a little teeny little mall thing here in Keene where we do the show from here in New Hampshire. And, of course, New Hampshire is known as one of the better economies in the Northeast. But even there, you can see the vacancies. I mean, I it, haven't been through there recently. The, nor, oh, are you talking about the, the center in Keene? I'm sorry. I was thinking no, of the Colony no, Mill. No, the, uh, the Colony Mill. It's a teeny little teeny uh, mall. Right. Yes. I, I say it qualifies as a mall because it has a food court and public bathrooms. I concur. Uh, but, but some would disagree. Some would say it's too small to be a mall. But anyway, it is a it is an indoor enclosed shopping center it's a that's, mall. that's air conditioned with a variety of different stores. But you can see the I mean the empty stores are pretty obvious there, and it's it's kind of sad to to look at that. And and if the trend continues, if they've had that many people close down shop in just this first quarter alone, what's coming next? Usually these things are it's almost like a domino effect. Well, right, because because the the businesses aren't making the money that they used to. They're not getting their bills paid, so they go out of business. These are human beings and think who of have all basically the, lost their jobs. People lose their jobs. Think of the the businesses who were getting business from those businesses because the they vendors all, and they yeah. All, yeah, they're all services. A lot of them are using services of other businesses mm-hmm. and things like that. So it's. So those people get fired from their jobs. Now they've been, I mean, they've probably already been cutting back anyway because it's time, tough, times are tough out there. And so, uh, so now they've got no job and so they got to cut back even further, which means they're not spending in the economy, which affects the businesses that are still existing, meaning it's tougher for them to do business. And so you're right, Dale, it is a, uh, it's a cause and effect that continues to have more effects down the line. Let's go to your phone calls, uh, 800-259-9231. We've got Frank in New York. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Listen, I don't like that uh, attitude about, you know, put a bullet in your head, you know, you have nothing to live for. Listen, what would have happened to Solzhenitsyn if he 
taken that advice when Stalin put him in the gulag. I mean, he turned out to be one of the greatest writers a witness to history. Oh, I don't think it was advice. You've got to look at this as an adventure. We'll bring you back here. Hang on. 800-259-9231. I wasn't suggesting it for most people. I was suggesting it for the people that uh, believe they have nothing to live for, the people that believe that, you know, life as we know it is coming to an end and it's it's all terrible. The, the outlook is bleak. If you believe the outlook is bleak, then why continue? More coming up. We'll bring Frank back and take your calls as well. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Maybe enough time for your call. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The feature's free, so enjoy those on us. Now, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We take that money in and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more Internet listeners on board, helping new people discover the ideas of freedom. Uh, it is a great program. You get perks like access to the AMP only call-in lines, chat room forum, and more. Go to amp.freetalklive.com to get more information and get signed up. That's amp.freetalklive.com. We bring back Frank in New York. Now, Frank, you were saying, uh, you were chastising me for suggesting that our our paranoid conspiracy caller earlier, uh, the, defe- the defeatist caller, go ahead and kill himself since he believes that uh, they're going to throw him in a gulag eventually anyway. Well, not him in particular. It was just it was, it was a general statement to people that believe that they were, you know, that for some reason the government is, uh, you know, all-powerful and out to get them. And he you may said, very well uh, be right. I mean, he may very well be right. We don't know that. However, uh, where would we be had Solzhenitsyn taken that attitude when Stalin sent him off to the gulag the first time? I mean, I one of the greatest that everybody, writers well, Frank, Frank, I didn't say that everybody who is tortured and everybody who is, uh, is put in a gulag by the government should kill themselves. I suggested that the people with the defeatist mindset do it. There are people no. who went to the gulags that had a positive mindset and ended up walking out alive at the, at the end of it. I'm talking about the people that believe that there is no hope, that, uh, that everything is, uh, is terrible in the world, and that we're all coming to a, a violent, awful end. Uh, I just don't understand why they go on living, if that's what they... I mean, is it just so they well, can enjoy I mean, the think, remainder of their right days? Now, right now in the world, uh, you know, that seems to be pretty, a pretty commonly held belief. It doesn't mean people should actually act upon those thoughts. Goodness, I mean, you should look at this as an existential adventure. I mean, where, what would they it should, happen yes. to Bruno Bettelheim? Could he succumbed or Ely Wiesel? I don't know, even know who that Nazis is, but I agree with you, Frank. I, he survived... I, and gave the world amazing literature and knowledge. I, I agree mean, you know, with you, Frank. I'm not yeah, s- okay. Well, I agree with you, and I thank you for for correcting me on this. And maybe I was being a little too negative. Maybe I should have encouraged him to be positive. But I guess when I hear the de- the the uh, incessant defeatism of these uh, the fringers, for lack of a better term, when I hear the incessant defeatism, I just have to wonder why it is they bother continuing because they don't have the the positive view. They don't have the view of I'm going to get through this. They don't well, have maybe the that and, will evolve. Maybe that will evolve as they experience the, you know, you know, this, these are very interesting times. I mean, quite frankly, many of these, uh, you know, defeatists that you're talking about are very pragmatic, and they understand what's happening on a very basic level. So in a sense, you know, their life journey uh, to go through this will probably have some effect on them. And it may, you know, they may be the ones changing the system. However... You can't be that nihilistic and that cavalier. You have to, uh, you have to have a better attitude, my friends. I well, mean, thank you, Frank, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I think he's I think right about. I that. think it's good scold. 
Yeah, I think he's right about that. I was being mean, but it's just frustrating when I hear that yeah, defeatism. I, I understand so your frustration. frustration. Ironically enough, you were trying to encourage the guy to be positive and not be so defeatist, but mm. but you know. Frank was right. Was I? I don't recall trying well, to encourage well, him. Well, I think that. in a way you were. You're saying, why are you being so defeatist? You know, yeah. what's the point, you know, of being so defeatist? It was so. rather tough love and could certainly be misinterpreted, and I think that I, it's a legit critique. I guess you're right. It wasn't that I – I don't remember my exact words, but I guess you're right. My question, as I recall, was, well, if you believe this, then why don't you do this? Not necessarily that you should go and, and kill yourself. Because I think that, uh, that you know, things can work out. I believe that uh, this that things are getting better and that uh, with that our situation in life will improve and that the voluntary society is coming because I'm not a defeatist I'm an eternal optimist and some people wonder how I can do it I was uh, we just have to make it happen I mean that's yeah. what it comes down to either we're going to make it happen or we're not going to do what it takes to make it happen so it's a, it's the choice is ours Speaking of uh, wanting to kill ourselves, we're going to want to after we talk about Linux. Well, we have to talk to Steve in Texas okay. first. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live <laughs> with Ian Dale and Mark. Well, I believe that the next 20 years are going to be nothing at all like the past 20 years. That's and generally I a true statement. Very, what's that? That statement is generally true throughout history. Well, the, there's a really, really good DVD available on the Internet. It's called Crash, Crash Course. And I would think that most of your listeners would be receptive to the Austrian message that is given out on this DVD. I would hope so. And what's that? I would hope so, considering we have give out you, Austrian messages all the time on this show. Have you seen or heard of Crash Course? I have no. not. No. Is it is it brand new? Um, it's been out for a few months. It's, okay. Pretty it's new. Very easy to get out on the Pirate Bay, and uh, the the guy that created it, he. He he wants it to be spread around. It's it, it is it is it is the it is the best source of information that I could give to somebody when you try to explain Austrian economics to them. And I'm not a real good teacher of it. This this is a very easy to understand, hmm. very well put out. And um, who puts it? Who's it, uh, who's behind the the video? Like... His name is Chris. Martinson, and you can also go see it on his website, or you could buy it if you didn't know how to do BitTorrent. But um, it's, it's or if very you want to support the guy that made a good film, you could buy it too, right? Well, you, you know, after you see it, you can support him. Yes. And there's there's an option sure. for supporting him after you see it. But I gotta say, this is this this DVD. It's fantastic. And what's it called it again? Is, Crash what? It's called Crash Course. Crash Course. Just okay. go to the Pirate Bay, and Great. you'll be able to find it there. Sounds it's, like a good recommendation. A, it's very fast. It's a very fast download. It's as fast as your Internet will support. Uh, a lot of seeds on it. And, um, and is it a full-length film, like an hour and a half, two hours long? or how long No, it? actually, it's it's not really a film. It's set up more as an educational course in chapters. And he, hmm. he says that you don't want to sit through the whole thing all at once. You know, much. take it in bits and pieces. Yeah. Oh, but but it's 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 like nothing I've ever seen. It's awesome. so good, it, it will change your worldview. I thank I'll you for that. Um, we'll look into it, and I thank you for the call tonight, Steve. 800-259-9231. Anything that can easily explain Austrian economics to people, I think, is uh, worth looking into. Austrian so. economics is uh, innate. Is all you have to do is hear it, and you realize that is so. <laughs> because the crap that they're telling it's, you about economics is in, intentionally confusing. All right, so Linux, Mark. What about it? 
that there's a there's a new version coming out. Is this uh, Wubnu or something like that? Oh well, I was emailed by Zeus, who is our very talent, one of our very talented voice guys. Yes, uh, and, he does, and really does uh, associate producer stuff. Gives us stories. I mean, he's very, uh, very, very connected with the show. He, he does and, all of the vo- uh, the liners for the Liberty Radio Network. So if you've listened at LibertyRadioNetwork.com, you've heard his voice. He is a he's a Linux Jesuit. He's one of those growly uh, <laughs> radio voice guys. Right. If you think that uh, Apple people are uh, uh, evangelical, you haven't met Linux people. So, I do all the comics on Linux. So he is, and so Dale is the one sitting in the room here who is a Linux user. Yes. I have tried Linux a couple of times in the last de- in the last decade. I tried it once, eh, maybe around 2002, 2003. I tried Red Hat, and it was an awful experience. <laughs> and then, of course, the Linux guys keep saying, "Well, it keeps getting better every iteration. You need to try this version, Ubuntu." Okay, fine. I'll try Ubuntu. So I tried that last year. I installed it on my laptop since, you know, there's nothing really important on there. Figured I'd install it there and play around with it. Because I'm a computer geek like that. You know, I, I build my own computers from scratch. Uh, I, I You know, I can hold my own at, at least to the lower levels of computing. I don't know all the ins and outs of programming or how the hardware works exactly. Uh, but I can do the basic stuff. So I installed the Linux and was using it. And I did manage to actually connect to the Internet this time. That was a pretty difficult task in the early part of the decade. And changing the screen resolution, I think I finally figured out how to do that, uh, but what I still haven't figured out yet is why. Like, Zeus is trying to convince me here, oh, well, you, you just, here's this great new version of Linux, and uh, you should switch over to it, because... I don't know why. I, right, and I can tell you that when Zeus tells me to do something, I want to do it because the guy is intelligent. He's, uh, you know, he well researched. All the, everything he says is, you know, to me seems rings the truth. And when he talks about Linux, I want to be involved, but I just don't want to learn anything new. I mean, I've got this I've whole. I've been learning this, Windows for my whole life, right. and I, I know it pretty darn well. I don't really. You're right, Mark. I don't really have time to uh, to learn everything from scratch. And I understand Linux is more intuitive now than it's ever been. But why do uh, I want a new OS? Right, my What's Windows, wrong with my old OS? That's just it. Yeah, I mean, it's like my coffee tastes fine. Uh, Windows, <laughs> I think you have to have a reason for it. Obviously, you have to be upset with your... You get to get frustrated with your current system right. before it makes sense to want to try something new. And yeah, I, I don't have I, those problems. Know. I mean, uh, when I get frustrated with my system, I give it to Ian to fix. <laughs> so I, I don't have part, an issue. Well, Anybody I think who part sends of it me for any me, information on Linux is wasting their time. Well, part of it for me is I just see Windows, you know, keeps taking up more and more of your system. It gets uh, bigger and bigger and bigger and doesn't get any better. If anything, it gets buggier oftentimes and. And at some point, at some point, I just want to scale back and just get back to basics, you know. So. Yeah, I, well, I haven't I haven't moved to the Vista thing. I don't plan on doing that. XP's always done me well, and it it works for me. So, oh boy, here come the emails. It's right? good enough for me too. As a matter of fact, Zeus has sent you a bunch of reasons why you're going to want up. the new Ubuntu tomorrow night. FreeTalkLive.com. In the meantime, have a great night. All right, doing an extended uh, podcast bonus interview here tonight with Taryn Lupo, who is the founder. Is founder the right word, Taryn? I, I guess you could say that, yeah. Author, <laughs> author creator of KeepYourSwag.com. So, Taryn, tell us about this uh, ebook that you've made and what, uh, you know, why, why are people interested? Why would people be interested? And you've been selling quite a few of them just off this uh, ad that you've uh, purchased. Is that not so? That is true. Um, we had Excellent. a little web pipe. Website problems when I first started it, and I got it straightened down. As soon as I did, we started selling um, books immediately. So I guess it's a hot topic right now. People, um, 
I got the idea for the book actually from my grandfather a long time ago who uh, used to never trust banks. Actually, I had two grandfathers that, that really didn't trust banks at all, and they used to hide everything around the house. And I got the idea from a, you know, that experience is as a child, and it just really stuck with me. And uh, as the book goes on to talk about, the, there was I try to put a lot of history into it and, and even some humor. And it starts off by talking about how I went out to the shed with my grandfather, one of them, and he would come out with a wad of cash. And I kept asking him, you know, I must have been like 10 or 11. And I kept asking him, why don't you, uh, you know, put your money in a bank? And he kept saying, I don't trust banks. And I finally got him to tell me the story about when he was a kid, his dad was, you know, they were stereotype depression kids. You know, they were going through the Great Depression. They lived in the Dust Bowl, the whole shebang. And he was talking about when it crossed over where it was illegal to own gold and silver coins. Mm -hmm. And the government recalled the coins. And they pulled them out of circulation. Well, the way they did that was they used the bank as their muscle. They uh, right. they made the banks basically overnight lock down security boxes so nobody could get their coins out yep. or any of their gold or silver bars or whatever they had. Um, anytime you wanted to open one of those, you had to have a – the bank actually had an officer there for a, a while that would um, observe you opening it, and then they would cash it out, whatever you had. Mm. Well, my great-grandfather didn't know this. They didn't – because it was just starting. Went to the bank, had a real valuable collection of coins, and they only gave him the face value of the coins, even though they weren't even supposed oh. to take all the coins, I don't think. But they gave him the face value, and I, I believe, if I remember my history right, it was – they were valued at about $20 an ounce, and then, you know, uh, when they pulled them out of the market, the president resold them again at $35 an ounce. And um, he told me this as a kid, and I really didn't understand what he was talking about for a long time. And then it clicked later on when I was older what he was talking about when I researched it. So that's what inspired the whole book was he was um, – he really got screwed over by the banks and lost a bunch of money just getting face value, uh, you know, getting uh, Federal Reserve notes. And that's what prompted me to start hiding stuff like he did. And they'll do the and same this is thing. Your average citizen just want it, just has a coin collection, and you never know yeah. what's going to happen. He didn't know this was going to happen, or and you don't know whether something like that's going to happen again. Well, they is, will do it today, and then it does happen today because if they're investigating you for like a drug crime or something yeah. like that, the feds will tax evasion or whatever. The feds can come into your bank and they can say empty out this security box or lock down your this guy's bank account or whatever and the banks are beholden to them so it's not because they don't like you it's because that they're scared about losing their banking license it's either or that or go out of business yeah so they they roll right over for the cops and so anything that's really important to you you're right uh, Taryn, it shouldn't be kept in a bank's uh, bank's vault plus it's nearby well, he, he basically just kept enough to pay his bills and and he kept everything else out yeah. and uh, you know for convenience and I, I try to encourage people to do the same because I remember watching the news just a year ago, and when the stocks were dropping 700 points a day, they were actually talking about freezing the banks. Um, there was a big talk about this to make it stop. They were going to freeze everything, and I was thinking to myself, listening to that, well, how much further is it going to be before they freeze you know, also the safety deposit boxes? 
And when I start hearing that stuff again, you know, um, they did it in the, the last big depression. I don't see why they wouldn't do it again. So it just made sense to, to keep your valuables close to you. So that's what uh, KeepYourSwag.com is about, and that's S-W-A-G, KeepYourSwag.com. Right. And no, Ian, it's actually Stash Your Swag. Oh, I'm so sorry. Did I get that wrong earlier? <laughs> no, not on the, not on the, the, the live read. No. Oh, no, but I mean earlier in this interview. Did I get that wrong, and, and you, didn't, you didn't correct me on it? I, if I did, StashYourSwag.com. StashYourSwag.com. And what it is is it's basically a way that you can hide just about anything in your house, from small objects to uh, – you know, I'm a big proponent of obviously gold and silver, but a lot of people also keep stuff in stamps and coins and uh, and, and gems and um, and also you know whatever else you want to hide privately. But some people also want to hide large things like you know uh, guns or whatever's valuable to them. Yeah. And there's different size hiding areas in the book, but most of them are free. All are under fifty bucks. I mean, they're they're cheap solutions. And my advice is that you want to treat it kind of like a mutual fund, where um, mutual fund, you don't have all your money in one stock. you got it in lots of little stocks. With your stashes around the house, you really want to put them in about 10 to 20 different places, yep. lots of little places. It's, and if you ever get burglarized, they might find one or two, but there's no way they're going to find all 20. Right. It's unlikely that they'll find um, you know any of them, but uh, you know the, the better they're hidden, uh, you know the better off you are. And you know what I was thinking about is because I've been looking to you know I just got a new house and looking to have places to stash things, created a few places to stash things myself. And what I was thinking, um, you know, for this book and uh, the way it helps me is. It's for seven under seven dollars. You get this ebook, and um, it's how many? There's a hundred and fifty or something plus places. There's, no, there's there's about a hundred and three or four. There's okay. a couple bonus spot ones I put in, but it's over a hundred. I mean, yep. you should be able to find ten you like. And no doubt, and um, you, you don't even necessarily have to use exactly the way the book says. The book gives you some really great ideas. Trying to think of it on your own, you're gonna miss ninety percent of the places that you could have used necessarily. And you're right, one place isn't the right way to go several places is and that's what that's what pays for this book it's it, you know it's six dollars and 95 cents or whatever worth of ideas of where to hide things around your property and i think that that's what makes it valuable and i actually i mean i, I guess i'm more of a new age new age kind of person that i actually like ebooks better than regular books because i was able to put links to what i'm talking about and you can go oh okay that's exactly where i want to buy this or that's how i get this or and and you it's just so easy. I mean, you get the book immediately. You don't have to wait for it to ship. Ebooks are great, and they're cheap. I mean, it's six ninety five. I saw. I know so. that you've got your own YouTube channel. I saw your ad for StashYourSwag dot com, and uh, they, so there's a couple things that were kind of revealed in the ad, and it's not these aren't real secrets or anything like that. One of them was the old uh, the shaving cream can with a false bottom, that kind of thing. And so, so basically, yeah. those are the t the sorts of things that you link to in the book. So if you see something you like, you can click on it and, and right. find it. I'm a big believer that some of these things are only like five or ten bucks, and it's just so worth it to buy someone that's already made it yeah. than to have to sit there and spend a whole day working on it and screwing it up. And, you know, sometimes it's just so much easier to buy something already made. But I'll tell you how to make it if you want. But <laughs> it's, it's really – I'm lazy. So this is, some, this is an investment. I, I believe is, in the division of labor. This is a low-cost investment that is easily going to pay for itself in the, uh, the event that somebody does break in yep. or the cops do come It's in. a heck of a lot cheaper than a safety deposit box at a bank. Yeah, that's true. And it's just a lot more control. I mean, when – and this is a, another uh, – something I want to say about actual money in a bank. Um, one of the first things that 
an IRS will do or if you get sued, they can attach themselves to your bank account and you can't get that money out. I actually knew uh, another chiropractor um, that somebody got mad at him, some competition in town, Mm -hmm. and basically sold him out to the IRS. Even though he did nothing wrong, the IRS came, raided his office, took all of his computers, locked down all of his accounts. He fought him for four or five years before he got his stuff even back, but he couldn't even practice. Just put him out of business. Right. His life was ruined at that point. Everything's gone. Yeah. And nothing was found. He was completely innocent, but, you know, you Mm. just destroyed four years of his business that he couldn't make any money and all of his patient records and everything went. Gosh. Yeah, they destroyed his whole found. business because you know everything's destroyed at that point. The patients are gone. I mean, he had to rebuild from scratch. And everybody, so plus the rumors around town that you're a cheat and you yep. know, you're a dishonest guy and the insurance companies come after you to double-check all the records. And I mean, it's just a nightmare. So you can, you know, people are, are vindictive and they will turn and use the government against you all the time. And, uh, you really got to protect yourself by keeping it close. I mean, if that guy didn't have anything in, in his accounts and kept all everything at home, you know, what happens if you get sued or what happens if the IRS comes for you? All that sort of stuff. You still have control of something. You know, you don't get completely – because, I mean, this guy did nothing wrong. Nothing was found. Yep. Wow. And so many people think that, eh, you know, it's not, it's not going to happen to me. And there's just so many examples of, oh, yeah, it very well could happen to you. And that, that's why, the, you know, that's why it's good to have these things. Take precautions. StashYourSwag.com. What else do you want to share with us tonight, Taryn? Um, also, I, you know, I've been, uh, I was, took Dave Ridley's class on uh, how to do your own news. I've kind of always wanted to do reports, but I never really knew how to do it. And I'm going to plug Dave Ridley's class because if you guys get a chance, it was probably the best 50 bucks I ever spent. He taught me how to make videos, and I, um, I'm really enjoying that. So if any of you guys like Ridley's work and you would check out my reports, it's called Low Country Liberty Reports, lclreport.com. Check them out. We also have um, – uh, you know, I, I also make stories and try to keep liberty-oriented news – Try to produce something about every day. Yeah, so there's if you get uh, a chance to check that out. It's I don't know if you've seen any of them or not, but I watched the uh, the Gads, I'm a subscriber actually. The, I, I watched the Gadsden flag one. I enjoyed that thoroughly. It was a history of the Gadsden flag and sort of its iterations and uh, you know they're what eight ten minutes long something like that. There's another one on uh, you know how America was built by beer parties and I thought it was great. Yeah, I try to put something in interesting. Um, you know, it's not just strictly the news every every day. I try to do some sort of uh, stories or something fun because you know, us liberty activists, you really could get down in a dark hole and, mm-hmm. and just negative all the time about you know this is going on and this is going on. So I, I try to put a fun story in about every two or three stories. You know, I think it's you don't want to live in that world where it's all negative. So you mentioned uh, d- that you took Dave Ridley's class, of course, Ridley from RidleyReport.com. That means you were up here in New Hampshire, uh, presumably. So are you a free stater? I did sign up for the Free State Project about four years ago. Oh, and unfortunately, great. I have a um, sick – I have a terminal mother-in-law that I oh. just can't – you know, I'm taking care of her. And when she passes on, I'm, I'm there the next day, hopefully. So um, wow. it's just – I don't want to be that guy that leaves her, you know, by herself. <laughs> sure. So I, I have family obligations, but what I just, what I'm trying to do is, um, like at our our tea party here, I went out and handed out the Free State Project stuff. I went and talked to people about the Free State Project, so I figure I can still help 
you know, down here in Georgia and try to at least let people know about it. Yeah, I, I, I think you're a huge. I mean, you're, you're a huge advocate for this Free State Project for Free Talk Live. Also, you've uh, you know supported Free Talk Live for for years now, and um, you know that's. Uh, I, I, you know, it's it's obvious to me that you're you're genuine in that respect. Well, it's great when you're supporting the show and you've got a great product as well. Stashyourswag.com. Uh, I got the website right this time. Stashyourswag.com. I appreciate that, fellas. Thank Very you. Good. All right, Taryn. Anything else? I think that's it. I love the show, obviously. I mean, you know, I've been listening to it for years, and I do want to talk to, you know, make a plug that the advertising with you guys does work. Yeah, Every I wanna... time I've advertised, I've, I've done well. Thank you. Thank you for so, that. Um, I, 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 before you know, go on, I want to talk about making an ebook in general. Um, okay. You, you, sure. s- you said that it's it's really been working out well for you, that uh, you made one in the past. How many, how long ago? About two to three years ago, but I haven't done a thing with it. It's right. just been sitting up on um uh, it's more of a comic book a comedy mm-hmm. book but sure. it's it's not a really a liberty book well it's but, uh, but but you've ahead. been getting um you've been getting you know selling a few of these now and then and they're like little annuities I sell about maybe 2 to 3 a day some and some days I sell more but you know it's maybe 20 bucks a day but I haven't done a thing in in you know three years. They just keep selling. So yeah, you don't have that much overhead, I imagine, right? I yep. mean, it's all yeah, digital. Not. It's I, I really want to encourage people because it it is kind of the future on some stuff. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be a, a some people out there that are always going to want a book, and that's the way it is. But here's the flip side. Um, I have a friend who wrote a book, and they sell it at Barnes and Nobles for about eighteen bucks. Mm-hmm. She makes a dollar a book. Wow. I make That's nothing. six ninety five a book, but I don't sell nearly as many. I don't have a publisher I have to deal with. Yep. I don't have any overhead at all except just a website. And um, if you sell a couple a day, you know, she would have to sell every. I guess every time I sell one is is equal to six, six, six to seven of. You know that she's got to sell. Hey, right. you, know, t- so, you know, somebody could look at twenty bucks a day and shake their head at that, but that puts food on the table. You know. Well, and if you have, you know, why don't you write six or seven books and you have a real income? Yeah, yeah. And wow. um, and, and it's something, you know, uh, a lot of liberty activists are very tech savvy. I, I don't know what it is, but most of the guys I talk to are some sort of computer programmers or web designers. And most liberty-oriented people really don't, I hate to say this, they're, they're not the best employees. They're more bosses. They're more go-getters that we really got to kind of work for themselves to be happy. And I really want to encourage people to, man, start writing books. That was true for me. You, I could not. If you, you could know. write a couple books, you, you know, you don't have to work for someone and have to deal with all the, the BS because you, you really can't be free when you work for other people. That's true. Yep. I, I love encouraging entrepreneurship, uh, and I know that a lot of people that are stuck in jobs would like to find out ways to, to get out of that. Of course, what they they need to do is uh, think about ways that they can bring a unique product or service to the marketplace and offer it on their own and how they can satisfy uh, consumer demand. And that's just kind of the tricky part. I mean, not everybody's cut out for writing books, but uh, but just trying to figure out what it is you love to do and how it is that you can satisfy people's demands with what you love to do and turn it into a profit somehow. I would like to see that, that, you know, that I think the liberty movement would really go well if people could be their own entrepreneurs. And I think the web's the easiest way to do it, honestly. Yeah, there's Find no a doubt. way to sell something on the web. 
Awesome. Well, Taryn, it's been good having you on the show. Uh, the website stashyourswag.com. That's stashyourswag, S-W-A-G, stashyourswag.com. And for less than seven bucks, you can get the ebook that will tell you all kinds of interesting places to hide things. Yeah, and it gave me some ideas that I hadn't had previously, and so thank you for that. Oh, I appreciate you guys reading it. Thanks. Thank you, Taryn. Bye, guys. Have Bye. a good night. These are challenging times. Inflation, job security, political and financial uncertainty affect us all. Now more than ever, it's important to review your life insurance needs should something happen to you. Experts agree. Most families should have life insurance protection of 10 times their income. The great news is life insurance rates have never been this low. When you call Termco, Gil Edwards will tell you how affordable term life insurance can be. Gil specializes in saving people money on top-rated term life insurance. Find out if you're paying too much or if you don't have enough. Ask about the new return of premium plans, which return your entire premium back to you after 20 or 30 years, tax-free, guaranteed. Your family's protected either way. Get the best coverage with Termco at the lowest possible rate. Call Termco for a free no-obligation quote. Call 800-493-7712. 800-493-7712. That's 800-493-7712.